This episode of Rewind of the Living Dead is brought to you by NightChannels.com, the only place on the internet to get that darker side for your t-shirts and hoodies. These are amazing, unique t-shirts and hoodie designs for occult, music, literature, and films. Of course, they got loads of amazing horror t-shirts. There's this Texas Chainsaw one that you gotta have. They got Alien, but they also got these deep cuts like Begotten. You know Begotten, right? Because you're a hardcore horror fan like I am. Or Guinea Pig. It's like that across the entire site for their music, for the anime, for other kind of media categories. Such cool designs that you're not gonna find anywhere else. Go on there. There's no way you're not gonna get a t-shirt or hoodie. I guarantee you. Tons of color options. The t-shirts have two fabric options. Classic 90s style which is gildan or that great modern combed cotton bella option and the best part about all this these are one-of-a-kind designs and all of it has really great competitive prices in fact if you go there right now and you enter the code rewind at checkout you get 13 percent off that's right 13 percent off at checkout if you let them know that rewind of the living dead sent you uh, so when you're at the next convention or concert and someone asks where'd you get that shirt the only answer is at nightchannels.com. And be sure to visit them on Instagram at nightchannels as well. Um, that's N-I-G-H-T channels.com. Uh, and be sure at checkout to enter the code rewind to get your 13% off. Rewind of the Living Dead is a review show, so spoilers are ahead. Following a global pandemic, movie theaters were still struggling to pack in audiences, but two genres, along with Tom Cruise flying a jet, proved resilient in the face of falling box office numbers, superhero movies, and horror films. Week after week, critics were stunned at the staggering returns on horror films at the box office, including a feature called Smile that wasn't even supposed to earn a theatrical release, yet it went on to gross more than $216 million at the worldwide box office to make it the highest earning horror film of the year. 2022 was also the year that Jordan Peele searched for aliens, Mia Goth introduced us to Maxine and then eventually to Pearl. Art the Clown sent audience members screaming from their seats. Ray Fiennes served up a deliciously wicked four-course meal. Ghostface returned, and Amber Midthunder reminded us all how to fight off a predator. All in all, it was a great year to be a horror fan. In the latest episode of Rewind of the Living Dead, we present our special year-end extravaganza as we reveal our top horror films and our best horror moments for 2022. And I'm Patrick Guerra. And Patrick, the end of 2022 has arrived, and it is our quite possibly our biggest show of the year as we talk about our favorite horror films of the year. And this year, we're actually going to expand our year-end edition and talk about some of our favorite moments, favorite performances. And beyond that, 2022 was a banner year for horror, and we have a lot to talk about this week. Damon, I mean, I think I've said it like multiple times over the last year in the podcast, like we are spoiled to death in 2022. This has been an insane year for horror, like an insanely good year. You mentioned some really huge box office success uh, with movies like Smile. Uh, Barbarian was another smash surprise hit in the theaters. Um, not just that stuff, like the stuff on streaming, like, hey, Shudder, how you doing? Remember us, Shudder? Hey, We're Shutter. old pals from Rewind the Living uh -huh. Dead. 
uh, tons of great releases on Shutter, releases on Netflix, releases on Hulu um, that were just so dynamite. I feel like I don't know what happened. I don't. Well, I, I know what happened. The pandemic happened and something inside the pandemic stirred something that finally manifested itself in 2022 because this was the year of horror movies. I don't think there was better like there was a better genre of film this year, pound for pound than horror. You know, I think what I learned, and this is just my theory, uh, you know, having seen a lot of the box office numbers this year, Patrick, but I think that in the wake of the pandemic, when people, and I don't think it's at this point, I don't even think it's a fear of going to the movies, like worrying about COVID or anything like that. I think at this point, it's just a matter of the money, you know, people are realizing they can stream at home and not have to pay $30 for tickets, you know, $20 for snacks, you know, what you know, all the, you know, you put $60, $70 into not out the movies. They realize, Hey, I could just buy a 75 inch TV, a sound bar and Netflix, and I'm enjoying things at home. So I think people Mm -hmm. are just a lot less apt to go to the movies now. But again, as I mentioned at the top of the show, the two genres that really you know seem to be resilient to that are superhero movies, which we know that's a theatrical experience, right? You go there for the big explosions, the giant graphics, all those kind of things. And then horror. I think people realize that they like being scared and it's more effective when you're in a theater full of people. And I think YouTube did it to a certain extent, but I think TikTok and Instagram showing audience reactions and all those kind of things. Like we've had those for years. I remember when Paranormal Activity came out and almost the entire marketing campaign wasn't built around the movie, but people's reaction to watching the movie, which was a cool, effective way to uh, market it. I love that actually got me more interested in the movie back then. Um, But I think people have just stopped wanting to spend spend $60 to go to the movies to see any movie they're picking and choosing what they're seeing and the two genres that they want to see are the big blockbuster movies that you feel like you want to see on a big screen and they want to be in a theater full of people maybe feel a little safer you know with a group of people around screaming and enjoying a horror film getting legitimately scared it kind of feels like a revival of the early 80s when horror was just huge at the box office. You know, every weekend there was some slasher film or something coming out because studios seized on that opening, and now we're seeing that again this year, surprisingly so. I mean, we knew Jordan Peele, Nope, was going to be big, and that ended up being the second biggest horror film at the box office. No surprise there. But Barbarian, Smile, these movies came out of nowhere. Yeah, out of nowhere. And you mentioned Nope, another great example of what I think was an a lot of like event horror this year scream came roaring back let's not even forget i mean that happened like way the hell at the top end of the year scream came roaring back and and sydney prescott was back on screen the whole gang was back uh to 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 revisit that franchise texas chainsaw was back nope i couldn't wait for it. we were very excited for it my brother even came over to my house and sat with me and my wife and we watched uh Pardon me for bringing it up, Damon. We watched Halloween Ends. <laughs> <laughs> but well, like, what I'm saying is people got together for yeah. the thing, for whatever the thing was. And if it was uh, you and I got together for Nope, that was the first time we sat and watched a movie together. Yeah. That was awesome. It was a cool experience. And, of course, to a packed house. And, and so there was event horror this year. There was a, a shit ton of franchise this year, which we'll get into in a little bit later. I actually log everything I watch movie wise. I, I don't log my TV because I'm kind of inconsistent with it because I'm a really busy guy. You're a very busy guy. Um, so I don't log my TV, but I log all of my horror, all, all of a, all any feature length movie that I've never seen before. I log it per, per year. 
So this year I saw a total of 130 movies so far. So far as of, as of this recording, I plan to see a few more before the year's end. 67 of those movies were horror movies. So that's, uh, you know, pretty much 50% of the movies I've seen this year were horror movies. That's uh, more than one horror movie a week. Yeah. All of them I hadn't seen before. Some of them, some of them were old classics that I'd never seen. I do log those. If I've never seen a classic, I still put it in the list. But that's a damn, that's, that's a lot of horror. That's a lot of brand new, fresh horror takes that I was able to ingest this year. And I'm so lucky that like Rewind of the Living Dead is actually a podcast that people listen to. We found out this year we're in the top 20% of Spotify podcasts. Thank you to our listeners for, for supporting us in that respect. But I had so much fuel for the fire this year, Damon. It was like, it was dizzy. Well, what I noticed with horror this year, another thing I really did notice is because like horror is my favorite genre. I, you know, I fully admit that. Um, I love, and don't get me wrong. I love drama. I love comedy. I love sci-fi. Yeah. I watch yeah, everything. Yeah. I watch everything, but horror is, is definitely my favorite. There's a reason we do this podcast. And what I found myself doing a lot more this year than even last year, or the previous year was when I would just be around on a Friday night or a Saturday night or a Thursday night when I had time to myself, the rare occasion when I have time to myself and I want to just put on a movie and just kind of veg out and watch a movie. I would say eight times out of 10, I ended up watching horror because there was so much to, to divulge, so much to digest this year. And that wasn't always the case. Like there have been weeks in past and this, you know, we've been doing the podcast for three years now. There have been times in the past where we're searching. We're like, what do we, what do we review yeah. for something new? There was not that problem this year. We had to like, we, we started our Nightmare on Elm Street series like eight months ago and it just wrapped up like a week ago because there's something like two weeks ago <laughs> because we had so much in between. Like we had so many movies coming out that we couldn't ignore, you know, with like Nope and Smile and Barbarian and, and all these other things that came out, Terrifier 2, all these things that came out. So when I sat down to watch movies this year, I was like turning over to Amazon Prime or Netflix or Hulu or Shudder. And there was always something new to watch. So I like I, I I have missed films that I normally would have probably seen by now because I sacrificed it because there was a new horror film coming out. Now I'm not I'm not disappointed in that fact. I'm just saying like I skipped over something like Banshees of Inna Sharon, which I 100 percent want to see. But That's I was like, ooh, but I'm like, ooh, I need to see this. Or I, you know, when that came mm -hmm. out, there was like, I need to see this. And there's something else coming out that weekend I want to watch. So I'm like, I'll get to it. And I will get to it. But first priority has become horror because horror has been so huge this year. And Damon, we're going to get to our lists here in a minute, our best of the year. We're going to wrap all that stuff up. And some people are going to listen to this and go, wait a minute, they didn't bring up this or they didn't bring up that. We, we also missed a ton of stuff that it was huge that got like tons of talk and we didn't even get to. I mean, I still haven't gotten to Dario Argento's new movie. I still haven't gotten to it. Yeah, I'm it's, the same. I mean, like there's there's like a uh, an embarrassment of riches and horror. So if there's something on this list that you guys don't hear us talk about that made it to your list of best movies this year, you know where to, you know where to get at us. I'm at director Patrick. He's at Damon Martin. You can find us at uh, uh, rewind of living dead on the social medias. Um, you can email us at rot living dead at gmail.com rot living dead at gmail.com. Get at us with the stuff that we missed. Cause we know we missed a ton of stuff for all for the 67 movies that I saw over one a week. I still missed tons of stuff that came out this year. Crazy year, crazy, like crazy, stupid, incredible year for horror. 
it was an embarrassment of riches. I mean, it really was because you wanted for nothing. You got you got every kind of horror film you could want this year. That's the other thing I want to Everything. mention about horror in 2022 is we didn't just get, you know, we didn't just get one thing or you didn't just get two things. We got it across the spectrum of horror. There was mm -hmm. the quote unquote elevated horror. There was the slasher genre. Yes. There was oh, the yeah. old school throwbacks. There were plenty of franchise films. As you mentioned, Hellraiser is another one that came back. You mentioned Texas Chainsaw going on down, you know, going on Halloween, of course, had a huge film this year. We'll surely eventually talk about that at some point. Um, <laughs> All kind, so it was like you were covered no matter what you liked about horror. Like I understand you and I are kind of, and, and I would imagine the majority of our audience, we're just horror fans. We're not necessarily falling into one category yeah. of horror fans. I've always said slasher is my favorite genre, though I make no bones about that. And uh, and so there's going to be other people out there who uh, maybe I'm not into like I'm not into slashers. I want you know quote unquote elevated horror, even though I think that's a bullshit term. Regardless, I'm just saying like that terminology of like the A24 horror films. Well guess what? There's a ton of A24 horror films this year. There was a ton of those kind of films that came out for that audience. There was a ton of slashers. We had a really good run for slashers this year. When you think about Scream, mm -hmm. you think about X, you think about all those films. It was just a all across the board. Plus, we got a new Jordan Peele movie, which is always a treat because of course he's kind of like mm -hmm. you know the horror darling. Um it was just a year that not only was there a lot of horror, there was a lot of good horror, and there was a lot of horror across every genre of horror. A lot of found footage, which you won't be hearing any of that on my top list. I'm not a found footage guy. I, I, and by the way, I've watched some of it this year. It's not like I ignored it. I watched some of it because people were like, you got to check this out. And I check it out and I go, okay, found footage, not for me. Um, just, you're right, across every genre. And I'm looking at my list right now. I think every single movie on this list is entirely different than the other. It's not like there's like three zombie movies on here. Yeah. That like I think there's I'm looking at there's one slasher. Yeah. Yeah, there's not there's not even a double up on slashers. Everything is different. Everything is different and varied. It was an incredibly diverse year with tons of different styles and voices and perspectives and I love that and it's where horror really can shine nowadays is seeing so many different perspectives and it, it it just it makes the genre so rich where it's like the mainstream movies are sort of homogenous and like it's sort of the same old heroes the same old uh uh you know stars and stuff like that so everything kind of looks and feels the same and it's hard to get up for like big studio stuff this year horror kicks all of that asses like fully because yeah. we, we just uh, everything I'm looking up and down and it's like female led, you know, uh, people of color, uh, it, it, just all across the board, you know, different topics, different themes. It's it covers everything. Horror can can do it all. What I also liked real quick before we get to our categories, because we are going to give a lot of love across uh, horror in terms of our categories this week, including things like best gore and best kill of 2022, which is a big list to go through. But one thing I want to shout out also we're all the new voices of horror we discovered this year. A guy, Parker Finn. You never heard of Parker Finn Ooh. before this year. Well, guess what? Parker Finn has now written and directed the number one horror film of 2022, Smile. It is the biggest horror film of 2022. Grossed over $216 million at the worldwide box Bless office. Ridiculous heart. numbers. 
Chloe Okuno, who a lot of people probably said, who? Who is that? Killer. She directed Watcher, which is an underrated hit that we didn't really actually get a chance to review. We talked about it briefly on the show. We never actually reviewed a full episode. That was a breakout hit. It also kind of reintroduced audiences to Micah Monroe, who a lot of people remember from It Follows. I've, I've seen her in many other things since then, but it was kind of like her breakout moment again after It Follows. Um, mm-hmm. So many new voices in horror this year. That was just such a pleasure to see people have that opportunity. Um, um, and of course, you know, there were plenty of returning favorites like Ty West with, with, you know, X and of course, uh, you know, radio silence, you know, getting the scream franchise, things like that. But there were a lot of new voices in horror this year. And I really enjoyed that. We got to discover these people and, 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 and meet them for the first time and know that most of them, you know, this was a, this was a, a labor of love. They love doing horror. And so we're going to see more horror from them down the road, which is incredible. I can't wait. I mean, you're right. So many, so many cool and uh, and new voices in horror. And it's like, oh yeah, uh, the Chloe Akunos and the Parker Finns and uh, Zach Kreger who did uh, Barbarian. You're gonna see a lot of stuff from these people because their their movies weren't just good; they were great, and they were or they or, or you know or, or they were a smash success. One of the two. The success part is really big because then studios actually invest in that. So I gather. And we, we didn't even talk about the big news that um, that that Blumhouse and uh, and and James Wan's company, Atomic Monster, are merging. Yeah. They're going to merge. Well, what what are they going to do? They're going to look right at guys like Parker Finn, Zach Krager, Chloe Kuno, and go, uh, "What do you got next?" Because you were the smash hits. So, and what do those people do? Then they bring up the next new voices. So, I think we're actually twenty twenty two may be the kickoff of what's going to become a bunch of years of incredible horror. At least I hope so. Last thing I'll mention before we get to categories, I do want to also talk about the mainstream. We talked a lot about the mainstream success of horror because the box office returns with movies like smile and nope and barbarian and even terrifier Two, just suddenly, you know, kind of bursting on the scene and, and breaking, you know, indie kind of records. Um, but I want to, I want to mention the mainstream success of horror this year, because what I also like beyond the box office, and of course the box office drives it because when you're making money, people are going to pay attention to what you're doing. It's just like in sports, when you're winning, they pay attention to you. When you suck, they tend not to pay as much, as much attention to you. Um, same thing here. So I understand more people are doing it, but what I enjoyed is that, you know, it did become a mainstream thing. Like we were, we were kind of back in the glory days of horror where everybody saw smile. Everybody saw Mm -hmm. barbarian. It wasn't one of those things where you talk to your casual, you know, friend who's maybe not the guy you normally talk to about horror. And they say, Hey, did you see smile? Did you see barbarian? I had so Mm -hmm. many people in like my casual circle of, of, of acquaintances, colleagues and friends Reach it because I'm the horror guy. So they reached out to me. Have you seen Smile? Is yeah. it good? Kind of is it worth seeing? Have you yeah. seen Barbarian? I heard it's great. I heard this. Um, I loved it. I was like, this is awesome. Like I'm getting questioned by people who I know probably would not pay to go see Smile in the theater. They're hearing the buzz, the the word of mouth is getting out there, and they gotta go see it. And so like this year. I had more of that than ever before. Like last year, most of my texts about horror came from Patrick. That was the majority <laughs> of my horror text messages over a year long. And we text a lot, yeah. a lot of horror. Uh, this year I had people on Instagram and, and Twitter and all over the place saying, Hey, have you seen this? Is it good? What, you know, what do you think about this one? Is it worth seeing? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, it was amazing. I was blown away by that. I talked with so many people about uh, Smile and Barbarian and Nope this year. Those were the big questions that so many just uh, my my friends that aren't are kind of 
either movie casuals or horror casuals. Um, I, I don't know how many times I recommended Watcher this year to people. They were like, oh, well, what's good? I go, you got to go. You got to watch Watcher. It's incredible. Um, just I mean, come on, Damon. It could could 2022 possibly be the best year in horror of all time? It might be. I, it might be. It's up there. It's up there for sure. Obviously, we haven't uh, we weren't lucky enough to be alive to do this podcast like 84. But uh, 84. You know, yeah. You know, 84, 85. Like that time at that time, you know, in the 80s was great for horror. But that being said, we got a lot to get to this week, Patrick. Ooh, and we got a lot our whole we? best of. So we are going to get to our top list of the year, our top five horror movies of the year. But that's going to be towards the second half of the podcast. So if that's all you tuned in for. You only want to get our list. That's OK. We understand. It's going to be in the second half of the show. We're going to get into some categories right now, though, as we talk about the other best parts of horror. Now, some of these movies may end up being in our top five list as well. Some of them may not. Um, but we're also going to talk about what we look forward to at 2023 at the end of the podcast. But right now, we're going to kick things off kind of in tradition of Rewind of the Living Dead. And we're going to talk about best performance, except this year, our favorite performance of 2022. And we're calling it the MVP performance, the best performance across horror for the entire year. Now, you and I have had plenty of difficulty narrowing it down to one actor in a movie. Imagine yeah. taking all of those, combining it, and now picking the one best. This is our Oscar. This is our Oscar moment, Patrick. Who is going to get the Oscar for best performance in a horror film in 2022? To my wonderful co-host, I will de- I will, uh, I will, I will, defer to you for your pick for the MVP performance in 2022, I should have had a drum roll uh, sound bite on here. I'm kind of yeah, disappointed. Yeah, we should have a drum roll going. But yeah. here's the thing: should I read off the nominations? Read off the nominations because we had we had a just an absolute like deluge of great performances this year. So this was very difficult to do because I was like, well, shit, there's so many good performances. How do I pick? So I'm gonna show I'm gonna show off my uh, my nominations. Okay, Sebastian Stan for Fresh, Jenna Ortega for Scream and X. Zoe Renee for Master, Jesse Buckley for Men, Micah Monroe for Watcher, Amber Midthunder for Prey, Justin Long, Barbarian, Daniel Kaluuya, Nope, Mia Goth for Pearl, Sozie Bacon for Smile, Rebecca Hall for Resurrection, and Anya Taylor-Joy for The Menu. Lots of women on that, lots of women on that nomination list, guys. If you do, if you think like, you know, horror is a guy's club, look at that list and see that there's pretty much mostly women on there. Um, but my ultimate best performance of the year, I really had to think about this. Oh, uh, also, it, was, me, it was tough. And let, let, and let me, let me say, just to be clear for the mystery element of this, Patrick and I do not share our answers ahead of time. So what Patrick oh, is yes, about to right. say, let me, let me just be, so what Patrick is about to say and what I'm about to, he has no, I have no idea who he picked. He has no idea who I picked. And it's the same thing through all of our categories and all of our top five films of the year. So we may have overlap in some of these because we, I'm sticking to my picks. I'm not changing it. I have no idea what he picked. He has no idea what I picked. So just to be clear. So we're not like, you don't think it's all staged that we like, you know, right. Right. Yeah, it's not stage. Yeah, I have zero actually, idea. That's, that's actually my favorite part of doing our best stuff because we actually share categories during the year. Like I send you all of my stuff, so you kind of know what's coming. Today we don't know what's coming. It's we my have favorite no part. Idea. So um, envelope, please. My best, <laughs> the best performance in horror for 2022 goes to Jesse Buckley for Men. Um, I, we talked we talked at length about men. We had, a, we had a great, uh, a podcast for that, for that episode. Please check it out. It gets really hilarious near the end, kind of like men. Um, <laughs> but Jesse Buckley to me is somebody who I think is going to be one of the serious actors 
that uh, that we're going to see in in film for a long time. By the way, she's working tons. Like it's not like it's not like, hey, somebody give this girl a call. She's busy. She's very busy. And there's a good reason for it. And bringing that high a level of performance to horror films is something that uh, Damon and I champion. We love it when really, really top, top tier actors join the horror circles. It gives us a little more credibility. It gives us more visibility. And then you get just an insane performance from somebody uh, like Jesse Buckley. And I'm telling you, it was tough. I could have picked any one of those people I mentioned and been completely fine with it. But I ultimately had to put my foot down and pick one. So I went with Jesse Buckley for men. I adore Jesse Buckley. I think she's fantastic. I've seen her in a lot of stuff and she's really, really good. Um, I had a lot of issues with men as a film um, was not one of my favorite films of the year. Go back and listen to the episode. There's things I liked about it for sure, but I just had, I had a lot of issues. And again, if you've listened to this podcast for any part of the last three years, you probably can understand why men is probably not catered to me. That's okay. <laughs> that being said, Jesse Buckley was fantastic in that movie. She was a, she was a huge part of what kept me invested in that movie when I was yeah. kind of tuned out at parts where I was either confused or I was like, what's going on here? Or I just didn't get into it. Um, she kept me drawn in. She was really, really, she's incredible. Also, you forgot to mention on top of everything else she does, she has a band too. So she also like plays yeah. music constantly. So she's very, very busy. Um, she was incredible. She was great in that role. And again, she was for a movie that I didn't love. She was by far the best part of it. And that's not to say that like she was the only good part of it, but she was, she was, she elevated that movie to a point where normally I probably would have tuned out halfway through, or I would have just mm -hmm. said, I just, I'm not into this movie. Just, you know, thumbs down for me. She kept me interested all the way to the ending because she was so good. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes. And I think a, a lot of, a lot of different categories this year are going to be that where it's like this element of this movie, put it as the best of for 2022. And to me, Jesse Buckley, sir. And I liked men way more than you did, but Jesse Buckley makes, men a great movie yeah it, you know for all intents and purposes she makes it great absolutely so my choice for mvp performance for horror films of 2022 i went with there's my bad uh, drum roll mia goth from x and pearl i cheated a little bit because yeah. pearl was the category but i threw an x because she was in both um not totally a surprise mia goth has been kind of like the horror darling of 2022 but here's the thing she deserves it she's incredible mm -hmm. um yeah, she was good. she was so strong in x she played two roles in that film pearl and maxine and then she did the prequel in pearl and while pearl didn't impress me as much as it impressed a lot of people this year her performance was off the charge i mean that was 100 percent written ty west wrote that as a mia goth you know performance piece there's a lot of yeah, people she, saying she that, helped write it too as far as yeah, i know there's a lot of people saying story. like she won't get it but she should be nominated for awards i totally agree she was oh, yeah. really really strong in that film and i think the best part about it is is in a in a lot of ways she plays three parts in two movies i mean she plays mm -hmm. maxine this kind of sultry you know, young girl trying to make her way in the world, doing whatever she can to get to the top. And then you had Pearl, the older version of Pearl, who is, you know, kind of trying to relive her youth and, and struggling to deal with, you know, becoming elderly and not having her faculties what it once was or looks like what it once was. And then, you know, seeing a, a young girl kind of remind her what that was like and then also being jealous of that girl. And then you had Pearl, the prequel, where she's playing the younger version of the older character. And it's a completely different character from the one we meet in X. So Mia Goth had to kind of play three characters across two movies. 
and she's kind of become the horror darling. She's going to be in a new film, the one with the Cronenberg's son. I can't remember his name. She's going to be in his film next year. That's another big role for her. Yep. I just thought she killed in every way, shape, and form. And I had I was not familiar with Mia Goth until X. I had not really known her. Um, that was my introduction, and she completely blew me away this year. She was great, especially in Pearl. I mean, she really. I mean, Pearl's her movie, so of course she stands out. Um, but yeah, I, I and I'm and by the way, that's what is getting me hype about Maxine, which is coming next year. Is like okay, like. Mia Goth showed everybody like, hey, gloves are off. Look what I can do. So now I'm like, I can't wait to see Maxine to see what she can do. I don't really care if Maxine's uh, a slasher or or a drama or a thriller or a romantic comedy. I want to see what Mia Goth does. Yeah, I'm absolutely enthralled. Also, I know I'm cheating here a little bit. Somebody that was not on the best performance list on our on our on our nominations, but I do want to give a shout out because it's a complete newcomer kind of came out of nowhere i want to give a shout out to lauren levera who was in terrifier 2 she played sienna yeah. uh sierra in in in, in, uh, in terrifier 2 she was lead character in terrifier 2 a movie that no one had really heard of and then all of a sudden everyone has to go see it people are running out vomiting in the theaters because of how gross and crazy and gory it is um lauren played the lead character in that film and she played a traditional final girl and if, again if you're a you know a slasher fan like me i'm all about the final girl and i thought she did a tremendous job so i just want to give her a shout out because she was someone that i guarantee you no one had heard of before terrifier 2 came out and she did a tremendous job in that movie and i'm looking forward to see what they do with Ter- terrifier 3 uh, they know her now yeah she is definitely known now all right Next category, we are going to go into best franchise of 2022. Now, when we talk about franchise, we're talking about films with multiple films in a series. It could be Scream. It could be Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It could be Hellraiser. It could be uh, Prey, which was a Predator film. It could be even even a film like X and Pearl technically is now a franchise because we do have the original and the sequel or technically a prequel. So a lot of franchises this year. And I think we talked earlier, Patrick, about how much stronger that made 2022 because you know, you had those recognizable names out there like Scream, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where people who maybe even aren't even as drawn into the smile and barbarian of the world, they hear Scream and like, oh, I got to see the new Scream or I got to see the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Franchises are huge. And franchises are kind of a staple of horror. I mean, let's be honest. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you have to have movies that go like seven, eight, nine (laughs) movies deep. That's just how we do it in horror. And and by the way, name another genre of film that does it that well, where it's like, yeah, I'm a big fan of Friday the 13th part seven. (laughs) You know, like nobody nobody says part seven about any other, you know, uh, genre of film, but horror fans will. Um, you know, there, there are, there are horror fans of, uh, Hellraiser eight, believe it or not, they're out there. Those there's people out there who will champion that stuff. Um, yeah, crazy amount. I mean, I saw no less than nine franchises myself and then there was more out there. Those yeah. are just the ones I saw this year. So um, for, best my, fran- for, oh, your yeah. be- for your best franchise envelope, please. Who did you pick as the best franchise <laughs> of 2022? My best franchise pick this year goes to prey from the predator franchise. Um, a lot of, a lot of really blue chip franchises came out this year. Um, like you mentioned, scream, Texas chainsaw, Halloween. These are the big boys. These are, these are the real, uh, moneymaker franchises. Well, prey, which came out on streaming tragically, um, prey kicked all of their asses as a, as a franchise sequel, uh, and, and honestly, the Predator, Predator franchise is sort of hit and miss on the sequels. Like sometimes they're OK, sometimes they're downright awful. Um, sometimes we pretend that Alien versus Predator never existed. <laughs> um, Prey 
got back to the roots of what is so awesome about the Predator franchise and then somehow improved on it. Like was like, hey, but also let's make it cooler and better and rethink it and put ourselves in a whole new world, which we, we were back in the 1800s or was it the 1800s? I think it was Yeah. Uh, with the Comanches, um, the Comanches versus a, a, a more primal, a more primitive predator. Um, I loved that movie. I, I absolutely adored that movie. It was so much fun. And um, yeah, Prey kills it, man. Prey, best franchise of the year. They did a really good job with Prey, and I would say that one of the one of the things that was most memorable about that one, beyond just being a great Predator film, was that uh, you know we're gonna have a category later, most surprising film of the year. So I'll be I'll tell you ahead of time. This is not my pick, so just so I'm not giving you a spoiler. But Prey was shocking to me because I had kind of tuned out on Predator. Yeah. The last couple of Predator sequels, reboots, whatever you want to call them, were not good. Um, to me, the Predator hasn't been good since Predator 1 and Predator 2. That was pretty much the last time I saw a Predator film that I really cared about. Um, and the last couple have been so bad, I've just completely ignored, more or less. I've heard enough, pe- enough people I trust tell me, just don't watch it. And I'm just like, okay, I won't watch it because I just don't <laughs> Predators. Wanna, I, Predators is okay. Yeah, I don't. I just don't want to trust it. Anyways, uh, this one was a shock to me because not only was it a good Predator film, it was just a good film. It was a great yeah, was. action. I mean, it was, you know, Hunter and Prey. It was just a real really 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 good well-made film um introduced audiences to amber mid thunder for the first time and she was incredible um actually you know speaking you there's a version of the film you can see it spoken in the native language which is amazing yeah um i watched it in comanche and it was cool it's just a, it was a it was a stunning movie it was a really good movie but also stunning because no one saw that coming no, no all the franchises that came out this year i would say that one was one of the least buzzed films until it came out and then everyone was talking about it everybody freaked out about that movie because it was it's a movie worth freaking out about it's damn good i kind of want to see more in that world like like let's let's stick with amber mid thunder's character and see where this goes but but who who knows what's next for the for the predator franchise probably something big because this clearly worked yeah so for me my best franchise of 2022 and i do want to say you know great shout out to newcomers like terrifier and x and pearl for actually starting new genres, you know, new or new, not new genre, new franchises, which is cool because it is always nice to add those on. Um, I feel like we're going to be talking about Art the Clown for the next 20 years because there's definitely going to be an, a Terrifier 9, 100%. And I'm not <laughs> complaining. I'm just saying it's going to happen. Um, yeah. My best franchise, it's a little predictable, but it's just the honest truth. My best franchise was Scream. Um, mm-hmm. the reintroduction to scream this year was great. Um, you know, there hadn't been a scream film in over a decade. The last one was 2011 with scream four and that film did not do gangbusters at the box office. And it kind of killed the franchise at that point, even though Wes Craven was, you know, potentially interested in doing another one that just the interest in scream kind of died down and went away and then horror kind of getting bigger and, and, and re uh, resurrecting itself a lot during the pandemic when people were at home and all they could do was stream movies. And a lot of people started streaming horror films and then realized how much fun it is to go see it in the theater. Um, horror reinvented itself a lot over these last couple of years and scream, you know, being resurrected was a big deal. And, you know, overall making a really good film. You know, that's, I think that's what I've said on this podcast about Scream, which is part of the reason I picked it is because there's not, in my opinion, a bad Scream movie. You can say that Scream 3 is not the greatest movie, sure. And that's a lot of people's opinion, even though I like that film a lot more than others. But um, it's, it's still not bad. It may not be great, but it's not bad. It's not unwatchable. And trust me, 
couple weeks ago i turned on on cable they had jason takes manhattan um that's not really a film that i'm looking to look watch again i watched it for like 10 minutes i was like oh my god i forgot how bad this movie is but damon uh, aren't you excited for ghostface takes manhattan the trailer's out that is it is gonna be ghostface takes manhattan in 2023 uh <laughs> But I'm just, I was just, I was just blown away by, you know, it was a quality, good sequel, a fun plot twist, which again, I, we're, we're not going to get really a lot into spoilers here because again, some people are just listening to this for suggestions and things like that. So great twist and great themes. You know, there's a lot of, a big theme in that movie was toxic fandom, you know, kind of, we talked about the elevated yeah. horror. That word was used a lot in that film and just how toxic fandom could get. Um, I just really like the reinvention of that. Now we're going to get another one, um, probably going to get another one after that. That, assuming it does well at the box office so i thought scream which to me is quite possibly my most important franchise because it's the film in 1996 that got me back into horror um seeing another scream film for the first time in 10 11 years was pretty damn exciting it's a really consistent franchise which is something you kind of pointed out when we talked about uh the, the, the latest scream movie it's super consistent um this new scream is kind of passing the torch to a newer generation which is important because let's face it the stars of the original scream are getting uh, getting older and they're probably not going to want to do screams the rest of their life um despite the fact that it's it's kind of i think kept all their their careers um that fire lit for those careers um it is a passing of the torch so there's a new generation jenna ortega who's having a phenomenal year between that and x and wednesday everybody loves wednesday um jenna ortega is now part of that franchise so you better believe like when the when the trailers get getting ready to pump everybody up we're going to see some jenna ortega in there and and we're going to have like a whole new generation this gen z the gen z group is going to be all about scream it's got it's kind of interesting how scream can do that it's carried itself the gen xers from 97 or 96 or whatever year it was that it came out who loved it like they're gonna go see it they're gonna take their kids to go see it and then the you know the millennials who grew up on it they're gonna go see it um it's it is the i think it is the kind of like the main franchise of of this newer generation um so that's it's really awesome to see that and i'm i'm curious to see if I'm going to call it Ghostface Takes Manhattan because, you know, I'm a Friday guy. So I'm curious to see if Ghostface Takes Manhattan can reinvent the franchise in a way that's still very true to the character driven uh, element of Scream. But also, like, I need to see some new tricks. I don't want to see the same old like it turned out it was the boyfriend all along. Like, you know, like we, we got to figure out a way to 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 keep that side of it going, keep the slasher element of it going. Um, and I have a lot of faith in the, uh, in the, was it the radio, radio silence, silence guys? Yeah, radio silence, yep. yeah I, I have a lot of faith in what they're doing because they clearly love the franchise and they, and they treated it with a lot of care and it felt very familiar when I watched it. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that they'll be able to kind of meld the old and the new together. Well, I also, well, I do hate how it happened. I hate that Nev Campbell isn't going to be in the new one because of contract disputes and what she was being paid. And that really bums me out and, and doesn't make me happy. But I'm also on the other side. If I take my take that element out of it, because I I think that's really crappy. Um, but I am excited to see what they do with the new with the franchise moving forward. You know, if they because again, at some point you got to move beyond the legacy characters. You just have to. I mean, yes, you're going to get lucky enough to bring back uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and have her do Laurie Strode. You know, 30 years later or whatever. But these are rare instances, and and at some point you do have to move on. Most franchises move on after a film or two at most. Um, you know yeah. what I mean? So the fact that they've had consistency with people like Courtney Cox and 
David Arquette and Nev Campbell through so many films. Um, in a weird way, I am kind of kind of excited to see what they can do with the new generation. Now there are going to be returning characters in the next film, but like I said, Scream has been painfully consistent, and that's what I liked about this film. It's not. You know, so here's a spoiler for you, Patrick. It's not my number one film of the year, um, but I liked it a lot, and it was a fun film. It, you know, it was a fun, and again, Scream's consistent, and I just love that Scream got popular again because Scream is one of my two favorite franchises along with Nightmare on Elm Street of all time. So um, I was just happy to see a Scream film again. I was happy to go to a theater and see Ghostface. That that great consistency, perfect example, the Halloween franchise. <laughs> Wildly inconsistent you know, and, and we're talking in modern times, we're talking about David Gordon Green's Halloween trilogy. Even inside the trilogy, it was inconsistent. <laughs> so like it, it's one that's one of those things where it's like you you I can look forward to the next scream because I know it's going to deliver the thing that I'm expecting while continuing to build on the larger kind of, you know, potential that horror has. Yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. There's a message for you, David Gordon Green. <laughs> <laughs> who's doing the new exorcist, which now terrifies me oh, more than you can even possibly now imagine. I'm really interested in the new exorcist. Yeah. Is Corey coming back? Oh my God. Corey, <laughs> Corey, Corey's possessed. That's going to be the theme of the new exorcist. <laughs> Please bring me Corey. Uh, all right, let's move on to our next category. And that is best kill. We had a lot of great kills in horror this year. There were some very creative kills and we also will have best gore. That's coming up next. Uh, but best kill for 2022. So when you look through all the horror films, the 67 horror films you watched this year, and maybe the best kill was, you know, uh, you know, David Gordon Green killing the Halloween franchise. That's a whole other discussion. Um, <laughs> That's a different kill. Different kill. Uh, let's talk about best kill. So, Patrick, what was your best kill of 2022? My best kill of 2022 has to go to Allie being ripped apart by Art the Clown in Terrifier 2. Holy shit. I mean, what? Like, I'm sitting in the theater, and I, Damon, I've seen it all. I've probably seen too much, let's be real. And I'm sitting there, and I watch Art the Clown kill a woman like 10 times over. Like, it was just the most relentless, brutal, just disgusting, gore-filled kill you've ever seen. And then he like kills her some more later. Like you think she's dead. Like you're like, oh, she's totally dead. And then she's not dead. <laughs> she's like barely skin and like not even skin anymore. She's like skull and and like tattered flesh. <laughs> and he kills her some more. <sighs> and I was like, I don't know if I've seen a kill this relentless ever on screen. It was brutal. It was one of the most talked about scenes of the year. And again, that was that was the scene supposedly had people vomiting in their popcorn buckets and running for the doors <laughs> when they went and saw Terrifier 2. So oh. it was a hard scene to watch. And you know what I liked what I liked a lot about it, and, and I'll talk more about this later, is that um it was it was a slasher reinvention that felt like it was a movie deserved to be make deserved to be made in the eighties yet they still found a way to push envelopes in that film. You know what I mean? They, they yeah. found ways and that scene is a prime example of that. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's just one of the many scenes that pushes tons of envelopes in that. And, you know, uh, now when you say mashed potatoes to a horror fan, they, they're, they're going to think about another scene in terrifier too. They yeah. could have dominated the kill and the gore this year, but I did go for something different. What about you? What was your best kill for 2022? So let me go ahead and say spoilers ahead. This one, I cannot talk about without spoilers. So, um, mm. just be aware. And again, um, this is a spoiler for the film I'm about to talk about in the film where my best kill took place as a movie called speak no evil. 
Um, it is a film that we didn't actually review on the podcast because it's it's a film that is almost impossible to talk about without spoilers. So that's why I'm saying, yeah. be aware. Here come some spoilers. Speak no and evil. And by the way, to 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 put a punctuation on that, Damon. If you have not watched Speak No Evil, don't let Damon spoil it for you right now. Go ahead and fast forward about a minute or two because it's worth going in as cold as you can. And I'm also going to say I'm not going to spoil how it happens, why it happens. I'm just going to I'm so I'm going to you know, I'm trying not to set I'm trying not to completely go over the board. But here we go. Speak No Evil was a truly disturbing movie and probably one of the hardest watches of the year because mm-hmm. it's real. It's not Art the Clown. It's not Ghostface. It's not, not Leatherface. It's not Zombie. Yeah, it's none of that. And it's not a weird curse that makes you smile and you kill people. None of that. It is a true could happen to you scenario. And the final scene in this movie where a pair of people are killed by forcing them to strip down naked and they get stoned to death. Stoned to death. Literally rocks thrown mm-hmm. at them and killed it is so long, and I, if I remember correctly, there's no score to it. It's just silence no. with just these people getting bludgeoned with rocks and then falling dead. It is so utterly disturbing. You know what it reminded me of? Um, it left an impression on me that, that that scene has haunted me since I saw that movie, and it reminded me so much of the closing scene in Seven, when you know mm. Brad Pitt has the box and you don't know and you mm-hmm. figure out what's in there, you're like, holy shit. Yeah. That's what Speak oh. No Evil was for me. That scene, <laughs> the kill and Speak No Evil, stuck with me. Damon, how about this? Those two people being stoned to death, that wasn't even the worst thing that happened to them in that, no. that evening. <laughs> it's not even the worst thing that happened to them. We'll get into we're, Speak No Evil is coming up later, just so yeah. you know. Yeah. But so, yeah, that's that that was a that was a bone chilling kill this year. Good horrific, call on that one. Horrific. Horrific. All right, let's talk about best gore. Now I'm gonna open best gore this time because there's a very specific reason for that. So best gore. There was a lot of gore this year. A lot of good gore, a lot of well done gore. Mm-hmm. I love effects. I'm all about and I'm gore especially here. about practical effects. So with that being said, my best gore of twenty twenty two is the bedroom mutilation scene in Terrifier 2. Allie gets the award for best kill for you and best gore for me because that scene is so utterly disturbing and so well done and all done with practical effects, which I absolutely adore. Uh, Damien Leon, great job picking nothing but practical effects for that movie. It is a horrific scene. It goes on forever, and it just keeps getting worse. It reminded me so much of a scene in martyrs, which is a film that you and I have talked about that a film that I think is amazing, but I'll probably never watch again because it's so hard to watch that scene in terrifier Two. even as desensitized as I am to horror. Even I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe they're doing this. (laughs) It's so relentless. It's one of the most relentless gore scenes around. And, and it's not, and it's actually, there's a reason behind that. Right. Uh, I, I think they got stopped halfway through shooting it because of the pandemic, the, the lockdown. Yeah. So what Damien did with his free time was design that scene even better and then take time because, it, and it's a very contained scene anyway. I don't think it only takes two people on screen, uh, Art the Clown and Ali. So uh, he was able to, I think he took eight days to shoot that scene, which for a low budget uh, horror film is actually a lot of days to shoot one scene. You Normally it's like, we have a low budget horror shoot the whole damn thing in eight days like get it all done 
Um, he took eight days, I think, to shoot that. If I'm not mistaken, if I'm if I got that correct, if it's if it's off by a few, forgive me. But yeah, eight days to shoot one scene. It really it really pays off. It's some of the best score you'll see all year long. It's incredible and it's disturbing and it's uh, it's so relentless, man. It just keeps going. Like you just wonder. Like, is he, can you be done with her already? Can you stop what you're doing, Arthur Clown? And he just keeps going. It's like, nah, I'm going to keep, I'm going to, I'm going to keep destroying, just eviscerating a body. It's insanity. It's really, really crazy. All right. What about your best gore of 2022? What was your best gore for the year? My best gore of 2022 comes from a movie that I didn't even particularly like, but I had to give it up. And that was uh, the bus slaughter scene in Texas Chainsaw massacre 2022 um now i think most people are familiar with that because that was kind of a part of the trailer for texas chainsaw 2022 um a yeah i have an affinity for texas chainsaw it's a texas chainsaw massacre the original is one of my favorite movies of all time so i do want to give some credit to my to leatherface and the team over there and truth be told the gore in that scene where leatherface gets on a bus full of hipsters and decides to just mow them down with his chainsaw is pretty satisfying. One of the more satisfying moments in the entire movie that's a less than satisfying movie. Um, the gore in there is incredible. Another one that they took a couple days to shoot. Tons of practical effects. I think most of it was practical. And when you watch that scene, I mean, blood is raining everywhere and it's splattering all over the, the walls of the bus and people are getting ripped in half and he's using a chainsaw going through one person to kill another person. It's it's uh, limbs are flying. Blood is spurting. Uh, what more can a, a horror fan ask for than uh, than a scene like that in Texas 2022? I'm actually impressed that you picked that one because I know how we felt about Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022. It was not mm-hmm. the film that we thought it would be. I don't know what we necessarily thought it would be. I think we just had higher hopes than what actually turned out to be a pretty disappointing film in, in my opinion, but I will give yeah. you credit. That bus scene was pretty, pretty good. Um, the problem I had with it was it was preceded by uh, don't do anything. You get canceled, bro. And I just, yeah. I can't ever erase that from my memory. Although the positive so is, is, he, is that dude gets chainsawed. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like that you went that regard. I went, I like you went in that direction because it would have been very easy to disregard that film, uh, you know, as, as just a bad movie, which I'm going to be honest, Patrick, it was a bad movie, but yeah. you know, the bright spot, you know, it's like finding the penny in a pile of you know, doggy doo doo. Uh, you know, you found, you found <laughs> the you found the money at the, at the bottom of the pit. And this was that, that dollar that you found on the ground. Yeah, you got to sometimes I mean, listen, we could do we could have done a whole podcast on the worst horror movies of of 2022. And believe me, Damon and I off of off the podcast have a lot of opinions about a lot of horror movies we did not like this year. So I was like, why not take a movie that I didn't particularly like and find a silver lining? And in this case, it was the silver lining was the sheen of the the blade, the chainsaw. Um, That part of that movie definitely delivered. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Now we're going to talk about some regrets. We have some regrets this year. There is a regret. And that is, what was our best film, best horror film that we saw in 2022 that didn't come out in 2022? A past film Mm -hmm. that we didn't get to cover on the show for whatever reason, that we just discovered for the first time this year, that we just happened to watch for the first time this year. Uh, And there's a lot of those because we do go back through the archives in places like Shudder and Amazon and Netflix and try to find movies that maybe we missed and we should have talked about and we discover them. So, Patrick, what was your best missed horror film of 2022? 
Yeah, best miss comes from my um, I every year I do a social media post, Instagram, Twitter about my my best movies of the year. But I always start the year with best missed because truth be told, I can't get to everything in that year. And some so sometimes it's from a year past or two years past. And I'm like, damn, this was a good movie. And I wish people had seen it. So I put it up on that list. I figure let's bring it out to Rewind of the Living Dead as well. Like we said earlier, we miss a lot of films all the time. We can't get to everything. Um, but this year we managed to get to the night house. Damon and my best missed of the year is that because damn what a fucking movie that was the night house starring Rebecca Hall uh incredible movie really well crafted David Bruckner was the director I believe he was the writer I'm not I'm not 100 sure on that uh, or maybe he's co-written or story by but uh David Bruckner Rebecca Hall uh great weird like kind of haunted uh a semi-possession movie but just every little bit of dread every little bit of scare every little bit of uh, atmosphere and the great rebecca hall one of the one of the better performers out there and so i to me i feel like she's sort of becoming someone that we can trust in horror like i feel like she loves horror in a in a very specific way so we got her dynamite performance and i was just like damn i wish i had seen this when it came out because the night house kicks all types of ass that film, without a doubt. So let me just say ahead of time, I knew I had a I had an itchy feeling you were going to go to the night house. And so I went against that pick and actually picked something else oh. for that reason, because chances are the night house would have been my pick as well. The night house was incredible. Um, my biggest disappointment with the night house is that we didn't watch it last year and it didn't make my top five horror films of 2021 because it absolutely would have. Yeah. Um, this would have been a, on my list. It sure. is a really, really, really good film. And, and what I like I think what I like most about that movie is that it subverts your expectations. You think you know what's going on and then you don't. And the, and the actual ending, like when it actually gets to like the whole plot of the movie, you really figure out what's going on. It's so original, so incredibly original. I loved it. And it was just a really, really well done film. David Bruckner, of course, also went on to direct Hellraiser, which came out this year. Uh, But night house was an incredible and a great choice. And like I said, probably would have been my pick so we didn't double up i did go in another route but that's an excellent choice so fair enough so what was your pick i'm curious so my best film i'm gonna go we'll go with one that's gonna kind of like with you as the texas chainsaw and kind of a surprise one one that i watched this year that i'd heard about heard about a lot over the years but i never watched for one reason it's a found footage movie and while oh. I do enjoy, while I do enjoy found footage films more than Patrick, I love Blair Witch Project, and I really enjoy the first Paranormal Activity. Beyond that, I kind of lose interest a little bit in found footage. But those two films by themselves, I adore. Yeah. But the film that I discovered this year that I had never seen before, that ended up being one of the scariest films I saw in 2022, was a movie called Hell House LLC. It's a movie oh. about a group of of uh, a group of people who have bought a haunted house in a small town and they're refurbing it, basically refurbishing it to get it ready for Halloween. And it turns out that some really evil things happened in this in this haunted house when it actually opened for business. People were killed, bad things happened, people disappeared, and it was a, it was a huge tragedy. And so the film is based around a documentary crew going back there and trying to put the pieces together to figure out what exactly happened while also dispersing and interspersing footage that the team who went in to build the haunted house had actually taken while they were building everything. Um, I was stunned at how scary this film was. There were a couple moments that legitimately made me jump out of my couch. It was really, really well done. Really? 
yeah, it was really well done. It is found footage, and it's a it's a low budget film, so there's gonna be moments where it's shaky camera work, and it's you know they're doing it specifically to make it look like found footage. But overall, that film was really really well done, truly chilling, and it reminded me so much of what I enjoyed about the Blair Witch Project when I went and saw that all those years ago really? when all the hype was around it. I saw this film and I was like, it reminded me of that. It reminded me of the moments when the entire film crew in Blair Witch Project is in a black tent. It's literally just a black screen. You can't see anything, but you hear noises. And it's so freaky in that film. And there's a lot of moments in Hell House, Hell House LLC like that. So that is my best missed film of 2022 that I saw for the first time. And I was blown away. I am shocked. First of all, I've never seen Hell House LLC. It didn't didn't happen for me this year, but I don't run out and go see found footage stuff. But that's a big endorsement because Damon knows very much how I feel about found footage in general. So to call to say it harkens back to the Blair Witch, which is a found footage movie that I do love. Uh, I'm going to have to check that one out. I would highly recommend. I believe it's available on Shutter. That's where I watched it. Um, really, really well done. It's a few years old now. And they made sequels that I've heard are not good, so I haven't watched them. But the original was one that I watched and I was like, you know what? All the people that told me I would enjoy this, you were right. It was really, really well done. I really enjoyed it. Mm. Okay, so, Damon, shots fucking fired. Shit. Yeah. So from best missed to the saddest moment of the year. And I'm just, you know, listen, you see, there's all kinds of things we could say for sad moment of the year, but I'm just going to. You know, I'm going to intro this with, with you know, a soundbite that kind of expresses how we feel about our saddest moment of the year. One, testicle! That, of course, is the great <laughs> Nick Cage and Prisoners of Prisoners of the Ghostland, which was one of the weirdest films we've probably ever reviewed on this show. So, our next oh, category, strange. our next category is most disappointing moment of the year. Now, I said disappoint. We said disappointing moment. Because we didn't want to just say film. It could have been something that didn't happen this year that yeah. we were disappointed by. So we said disappointing moment, so it's not totally just about one film, although it could be about film. So, Patrick, what was your most disappointing moment in horror in 2022? Damon, can you do me a favor? Can you go first? Because I have two things that are very big to me, and I'm curious if yours is one of them, I can easily jump to the other and talk about both. Well, you probably know what mine is, and my biggest I disappointment, gotta know. my biggest disappointment by a mile, and, and there were other things I was disappointed <laughs> by this year, but by a mile, number one, Halloween ends. It was... <laughs> yeah, well, listen. It was... It's on my list. <laughs> it was... Did you see the did you see the lawsuit that somebody sued because they put a trailer out for that movie yesterday and they sued because the trailer had Anna DeArmas in it but she actually got cut out of the film. So when they went and saw the film, Anna DeArmas wasn't in it. They sued and won. A judge ruled in their favor that it was misleading advertising because they put her in the trailer and they completely cut her out of the film. Now, I'm not saying that's the power I of Ana de Armas, by I'm the not saying yeah, Ana de Armas is incredible. I'm not saying that that's good or bad. I'm not passing judgment on the lawsuit. Okay. I'm not saying it's good or bad. But as soon as I saw that lawsuit, immediately popped in my head <laughs> that I need to look into talking to a lawyer to maybe have a conversation with David Gordon Green about promising us a Halloween movie and then delivering anything but a Halloween movie with Halloween ends, except for maybe about 10 minutes of what ultimately played out to be a really, really, really bad movie. Um, <laughs> Laurie Strode versus Michael Myers. That's what the trailer said. Guess what? You got that for about four minutes. 
And the rest of the movie was focused on a guy named Corey. Who is Corey, you ask? Who the fuck cares who Corey is? Because Nobody I, even knows who Corey is, by <laughs> Nobody the way. He just showed up. He just showed up. He's there. And now all of a sudden, we're supposed to care. And he's going to be the central focus of our third and final film, where Jamie Lee Curtis is going to appear as Laurie Strode. And I think ultimately, Patrick, beyond anything else, with that film being disappointing, my biggest disappointing moment of Halloween ends is knowing that that will be the last time we will ever see jamie lee curtis on screen as laurie strode now you know truth be told people have said that before she may return but everything she's saying that is going to be her final turn as laurie strode and that to me is really really disappointing because that's the last memory that fans are going to have of her in that role and it shouldn't be in that film i'm sorry yeah, listen, and that specifically was one of the things I wrote down, which was Laurie Strode not getting the ending she deserves. Jamie Lee Curtis might even disagree with you and I. She might go, actually, that's what what's what I worked out with David Gordon Green. Listen, she's a great storyteller in her own right, and she's a veteran uh, of of film. So for all she's considered, that that's good. That's good enough for her. I'm not a big Halloween guy. Halloween doesn't really matter that much to me. Even I was pissed off. <laughs> Even I was like, what in the fuck is this? Like, what is this? Where's the where's the Laurie Strode finale? Where's the closing for Laurie Strode? You get it. But again, it's, it's a what a two hour movie and 90 minutes of it is a story about a guy named Corey that you've never heard of before. I, it's just it was very disappointing. It was very disappointing. And and I don't want to I don't want to start we will start going down the Halloween ends road. Um and I don't want to do that because it's exhausting. It was disappointing even for me, even for somebody who doesn't really care about the Halloween franchise like so many others do. To see uh, a character like Laurie Strode that's so important to horror kind of end on a fizzle, you know? Like at least at least I can say okay, yes, she did have a happy ending. It did it did turn out good for her in the end, I guess. Um but I mean, as a film, as an experience, as a, like, let's go sit and watch this and see how it is. Super, super disappointing. They took the Laurie Schroeder that we know and love and threw her down a garbage compactor, much like the end of that movie. Um, Patrick, Mm -hmm. what is your best, excuse me, your best, what is your biggest disappointment of 2022 beyond Halloween ends, which apparently was also on your list? Uh, Not all that surprising, (laughs) to be honest. Not all that surprising. Yeah. And I I, I was like, I know Damon's probably going to mention this, but just in case. But uh, so my other great disappointment of the year was that Prey was not released in theaters. Now, there's a reason why, actually, there's a lot of wild speculation. But here's the actual truth is that because uh, Disney acquired Fox and all their property, um, this movie was already kind of basically done when Disney did that. Um, If they had released it in theaters they would have had to have given the streaming rights to HBO Max because that was already the deal that was set in place. So the executives that be over at Disney and Disney Plus said, we can't give um, a movie over to HBO Max. They're our competitor. We can't do that. So they sacrificed their own lamb to do that. And what a shame it is. Now, First of all, it's kind of cool that it was on Hulu from the jump because a lot of people who aren't comfortable going to theaters or who just can't go to theaters are able to just watch it in their house. And it was a a great experience to watch at home. That's fine. This movie would have done fucking gangbusters. 
at the theaters. It would have blown up. That first week word of mouth would have been like, this is the movie. We talked about how much money Smile made, how much money Barbarian made. Even Halloween Ends, actually, I think, despite being day and date with Peacock, made like $100 or something its first weekend. Prey would have definitely cracked the $100 mark, definitely would have cracked maybe the $200 mark. That would have really mattered for all the players involved. And it bummed me out that that group of people had to accept that their movie was going straight to streaming and they basically had no say in it and and they could have really reaped the benefit of that yes the movie was widely praised and everyone beamed about it but there is a difference when something goes to the theater and is a smash hit which i guarantee you pray would have been let me um, say those people lo- lost out on that yeah let me say that and, and i know you agree with me patrick but let me just put this out there like i appreciate films that go straight to streaming because there's a lot of sure. easy films to discover and we get great services like shutter where we get to watch you know horror films that maybe we would never never ever discover so streaming absolutely has a huge part in what horror does today but i totally agree it was a film made for theaters it was a film to, i mean i think i texted you the night i watched it and i said my only my only disappointment is i didn't get to see this in the theater because it was incredible. Yeah. It was an incredible action film. I mean, yeah, it was a horror film in a way, but it was also an incredible action film. Remember what you love about the original Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers and Jesse Ventura. We'll wrap all that up and put it into Amber Mid-Thunder and that performance in Prey. And it was incredible. And the whole film is great. It's filmed. It was filmed beautifully. It was beautifully shot. Yeah, shot uh, in beautiful landscapes. It was it was incredibly well done. And, and it just would have been better had you been able to see it on a big screen. Yeah, it deserved it deserved a hundred feet and a cool sound system. Like that's what that movie deserves. Like it just is, it, and it and it entertains the entire time. It's the perfect popcorn movie. It's the perfect movie to go to the movie theaters and watch. And again, the people behind the scenes that made it, the actors that are invested in it, they would have actually benefited from having a huge theatrical uh, uh, release, which they would have had. And they didn't get that. And that really bums me out for those people because I know they worked their asses off. You know shooting in those conditions is incredibly difficult. And you're expecting that when it's all said and done, it's going to go to the theaters. And uh, and and basically the people who own your movie go, yeah, but if, if it goes to theaters, we have to give it to HBO Max and I can't do that. So you don't get any of the benefit of having a smash hit at the, at the box office. Really sucks for those people. It really does. And I hope that all those people go on and do great things in the future because I love the film. I love Amber Midthunder in the film. I loved everybody in that film. Um, so, yeah, I would I would hope they all get those kind of opportunities moving forward. Uh, did you have anything else in the disappointing or was it just those just those two with Halloween? Those were those were the those were the big ones. Yeah, there's throw- there's there's minor disappointments, but I that's more me just <laughs> I don't want to trash movies on here. I'm not going to I'm not going to get into a big like, you know, big uh, diatribe about this, but I will throw out the other one for me was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I just expected more out of that film. Yeah. And that was ended up kind of being a disappointment because I thought it was thought it was going to kind of reignite kind of for this. this- but kind of for the same reason. Yeah. But they reintroduced, uh, they reintroduced uh, S- Sally Hardesty and she's barely in the movie. Yeah. Very Halloween in like, moment. Very. It was like a precursor to what we, we did not know what was coming with Halloween ends, but it was one of those things where it's like, Oh cool. Like Sally's back and part of this, uh, uh, you know, this franchise again. And we're really treating it like it, like, like she's recovering from the original events and all that stuff. And she's barely in the movie also. And she, and, she gets chainsawed through the heart and then somehow still is alive. I don't, it, it, that was a dis, that was a disappointing movie because, but disappointing, but not surprising. I guess that's why I didn't make my top because Texas chainsaw franchise tends to be a little more disappointing on the disappointing side. 
And it's always disappointing because the first one's perfect. And then the ones, the subsequent ones have all these issues with them. Yeah, no, I agree. And like I said, that was more minor because again, I didn't go in yeah. with the highest of expectations. Yeah, I was just, did not I was, go just, in with I was just let down more than I expected to be, which is kind of odd to say. <laughs> um, all right. You're going to let me down that hard? Damn. Yeah, that's rough. All right, let's go to our surprise movie of the year. And after that, we're going to get to our top horror films of the year. We're going to go through those lists uh, one by one. But for right now, our final category, before we get to our top list, is surprise movie of the year. So Patrick, what was your surprise movie of the year for 2022? My surprise movie of the year was fresh uh, on Hulu. Um, did not see this movie coming. Uh, you know that I saw, you know, some, I think it, it came out pretty early in the year. So you were seeing kind of year end previews that it was coming and you go, okay, Sebastian Stan, cool. Doing something outside of the Disney universe. That sounds good to me. Let's, let's, let's see what that's all about. Uh, turned out to be a fantastic horror movie that was both fun and interesting, a cool story and phenomenally acted. Um, yeah, that was one of those movies where I was like, I did not see that coming. And it and it satisfied on all levels. So for me, and you notice I didn't say anything there because we're going to talk about Fresh a little later. So I'm just going to leave sure. it at that. Um, I agree with you, but I won't go too far because, again, we're going to talk more about Fresh later. Hint, hint. Um, for me, my biggest surprise of the movie, biggest surprise of the year, most surprise of the year, whatever you want to say it, was a movie called Barbarian. And mm. the reason why I picked it as the most surprising film of the year was this, and I'm praising it for this. The trailers didn't give away too much. Actually, they really didn't give away much at all. If you really know this I film, have a if, you've seen, on that. if you've seen this film, um, you know that what happens in the trailer really doesn't have a whole lot of bearing on the actual film. And it managed to stay that way. It was a Warner Brothers released film. So it wasn't like a small indie studio that knew this. This is a big movie studio that knew they had to make money off this thing, which generally means they give you three quarters of the movie in trailers. They didn't do that. When I sat down to watch Barbarian in the theater, I really had no idea what it was about. I had an idea what the trailer told me. And again, that was a very brief introduction to the film. It really had no bearing on the film itself. The twists and turns in that movie is whether you liked them or you didn't like them. I was so surprised by that movie, and I was mostly surprised by the fact that I made it all the way to the theater without something being spoiled for me. And that was kind of like the general theme around Barbarian. Even the assholes on the internet didn't go out there and try to spoil it. Like when people would say, have you seen Barbarian? Everybody was saying, yeah, go see it, but don't let anyone tell you about it. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. And and you know me, I'm a I'm a big like go in cold as cold as possible. I went into Barbarian ice cold. I saw a poster. That was it. And I actually sat and I filmed an interview with Justin Long talking about um, the role, but I didn't even really pay attention at the time when he was talking about it. So I came in ice cold. Um, my surprise with Barbarian this year is how many people liked it. I didn't think it was that good of a movie. I, I really don't. And you can listen. We had a podcast on it and we talked about it and, and you can hear about all my gripes there. Um, but it's interesting. You say even watching the trailer didn't give away a lot. Well, that's because and this is something Zach Kreger admitted. Zach Kreger wrote a movie and about 40 pages in, he decided like he was he didn't know where to go with the movie. So he started going in a completely different direction. And that's kind of my biggest gripe with this movie is that the first 40 minutes of this movie are sort of thrown away. Like you see them in the trailer 
they don't really have a major bearing on the actual movie that that needs to unfold. But that's a lot of the movie. That's 40 minutes of a 90 to two hour uh, movie. So, yeah, I, I am surprised that it got as much praise as it did. A lot of people actually bit back too, and a lot of people were like, hey, you know what? Barbarians is not is not not the hype. Um, however, well crafted, like Zach Krieger clearly has a great idea of like where to put a camera to make something look interesting and dreadful. So I'm not bashing him on that front. I just, I didn't, I didn't care for the story. Um, I, and I, I thought it kind of went nowhere and I, I, I wasn't satisfied when I came out of that movie. Um, but the success of barbarian is good for horror in general. I'm never, you're never going to see me rooting against horror ever, even if I didn't like the movie. So the fact of the matter is barbarian was a smash success and that is going to lead to just more cool horror out there. Absolutely. All right. It is now time, Patrick, for our top five horror films of 2022. And we're going to be talking about all these. Some of them may be doubled up. We don't know. Again, we have not divulged our lists to each other. So I have no idea what's in his nope. top five. He has no idea what's in my top five. So we're just going to be going through it right here. So, Patrick, I'll kick it to you for your number five horror film of the year when we're done we're also gonna we're gonna give honorable mentions because we crafted mm -hmm. a list that i probably could have done top 20 and felt pretty comfortable about it but we don't want this yeah, episode to I be like nine hours uh so <laughs> so we went with five but we will give honorable mentions at the end so we can mention some other movies that maybe didn't make our top five but still highly recommended at the end of the year so patrick number five film for you best of 2022 my number five movie of 2022 jordan peele's nope um this was a movie that i got a chance to see twice in the theater i'm really glad i did the first time i saw it i saw it with you actually and i think we came out of the going cool movie i'm a little confused i think i think we we both came out of it feeling a little bit like i don't know why there's this heavy element to it the second viewing it it became oh so clear what was going on then it, it came it came to home and you know i watched it at home um Great movie, like really good movie. It, it, I think it is actually Jordan Peele's best movie. Like I think Get Out's an incredible and a, amazing original story and way scarier than what Nope is. But as a as a filmmaker, I think he's like he's reaching like a like a zenith, and he really he got all of the elements right. And it's a, it's kind of a movie that's contained yet told on a grand scale that has tips and tricks and 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 kind of keeps you guessing but also leaves you with a lot of different feelings and stuff so it was one of those movies that was highly highly impactful for me this year and i kept coming back to it over and over again that's always a great sign my top my top five movies whether it's horror or or everything in general is a movie that i can't keep out of my head and nope was definitely part of that Nope was Nope was a really strong effort this year, and I was really impressed by a lot of that movie beyond just the fact that it was well acted, it was well orchestrated, but it was a really well shot movie. Um, it was a it was a big film that felt small. And I love yep. films like that. You know, ultimately this film really takes place over two major locations and they're kind of in the middle of the nowhere in desert, you know, in the desert. So it's not like you're 
you know, you're traveling through LA or you're in these big cities, you got these 19 different locations. And again, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying this film is big yet feels small. And I love that about mm-hmm. this. And the performances are great. I think Daniel Kalu is one of the two best actors working in Hollywood today. Kiki Palmer was great. Stephen Young was mm-hmm. great. Uh, the whole cast was the great incredible. Keith David had a little cameo in the movie. Yeah, that's probably the only part of the movie I didn't like. Why did you do that to Keith David? Um, but, uh, <laughs> Biggest was, disappointment of 2022 yeah, is killing Keith David yeah. in the beginning of the movie. How are you going to do Keith David dirty like that? Uh, <laughs> it was good. And also, you know, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. I kind of, I, I didn't love us. Like, I didn't hate it i didn't hate us when it came out but i didn't love it i loved parts of it and then the ending the last half hour just completely kind of lost me and i just i just kind of tuned out on that movie so i was i was a big fan of jordan peele i love get out i thought he did a great job producing and and helping craft Candyman. you know i know of course it's nia DaCosta's movie but i'm saying like i know jordan peele had a hand in it um you know i love what he's doing as a production company but i was a little more hesitant going into note because i kind of wasn't in love with us and like you know that's one for two and so i was like how's the third one gonna be nope was great i really liked that film and uh i will say it didn't make my top five so i'm glad it isn't yours because we get to talk about it because i really did like that film and you know another little thing i love about nope is that people are still talking about what that thing was in the sky yeah like it's there's still theories going out i heard a new one the other day and i was like oh shit and it makes sense and then jordan peele reacted to that and he was like "Mm, i'm not gonna talk about that i was like what (laughs) like it's it's one of those movies that is that that it, it, it seeps into the culture and people keep keep bringing it up so yeah no nope all the way yeah so my number five film, this is going to be an interesting conversation we're about to have here. My number five film, top five films of horror in 2022, number five for me, going back to another category, is Barbarian. I, oh. on the flip side of what Patrick said, I really liked Barbarian. Now, I will say my biggest criticism of that film was some of the choices the characters made. That being said, I've been a a horror fan long enough to know that people make really stupid choices. There's a reason why there's a Geico commercial that runs on national TV where they're in a horror film and they're like, they're, they're trying to figure out where they should hide. They're like, should we hide behind the wall of knives? Why don't we just go to the running car? And the one girl goes, you're crazy. And they're like, go for the chainsaws because people in horror films make dumb decisions. That's just a staple of horror. So while that bothered me, it didn't, and, and it didn't kill the movie for me. And what I loved about that film ultimately came down to the way it surprised me, the way I didn't see it coming, the way that all the twists and turns that happened were just out of nowhere. And it does that like four times in that film. There's four different times in that film where I'm like, what, what the hell's going on here? And not like in a bad way where I didn't understand it. They just completely changed it on its head. And I love that because as a writer, in my day job, in my regular job, Patrick, I'm a problem solver. That's my business. When I watch mysteries, you know, eight times out of 10, I figure it out before the end of the movie, before the end of the book, before the end of whatever, the end of the TV show. I, I have that kind of mind. I'm not bragging about it. Actually, in a way, kind of wish I didn't because it ruins things for me sometimes because I already figure it out. That being said, um, I didn't figure this movie out in a lot of ways. Sure, there were moments I did, but there were other things I had no idea it was coming. And I think that, to me, is why Barbarian ended up in my top five, because it takes a lot to surprise me these days, Patrick, and that film actually managed to surprise me. 
what surprised me about this movie is how many mistakes it made. I mean, truth be told. Now, the whole like dumb choices thing, like is you're right. It's totally like a, a horror staple and it happens all the time. The women that I talked to this year that watched Barbarian, most of them were like, I turned that fucking movie off. <sighs> Because they said that the the choices by the lead character were so stupid, and she, she's a woman, they go it 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 went beyond uh, suspension of disbelief. No woman would make the choices that she made, even just walking, getting into the house with with uh, Bill Skarsgård in the beginning. They were like, even that was too much to stomach. Not to mention all the other dumb choices she made. And then on the story front, I think there were a lot of things that felt like. Um, I don't know, like, like, like they were afterthoughts. Like there, there was, a, we talk about it in the podcast. There was a very specific line from a character that said something that never, ever paid off. And I feel like every now and then in that movie that kept happening, it kept happening where it's like, Oh, what's that leading to? Oh, nothing. What's that leading to? Oh, nothing. Even the whole first half of the movie seemed to be leading towards something. No, it didn't. So I'm just on the other end where I'm going, you know, like, Yes, this movie was slickly made. Yes, uh, the camera was in the right place to create tension. Yes, uh, Mama herself was quite disturbing, if you know what we're talking about. Uh, yes, Justin Long was on our list of best performances this year. I'm not even going to lie. In a movie I didn't like, Justin Long kicked ass. He really did. And even the people I know that didn't like the movie as well agree. Justin Long should go up for a horror award this year. He did a hell of a job. I, I bet when Fangoria comes around uh, their awards, I bet Justin Long's probably going to take a performance award. Um, so so the, you take the good and the bad with a movie like Barbarian. And again, I'm still glad that it was immensely successful because that just means more good things to come for horror in the future. Yeah, and I disagree on some of those points, but that's okay. I, you know, like I said, I didn't, you know, while the while I do again talk about the troubling decisions. Um, again, I also understand the mach the machinations of a horror film. Also understand um, the tendency of people to do stupid things, and unfortunately, we live oh, in a yeah. world where people do stupid things all the time. But that being said, I did love the the the, the setups and and where you say like the first forty minutes doesn't matter. I totally disagree because of how it pays off and what happens next. But opinion. even Zach Kreger admits that the 40, first forty minutes don't matter. Even don't. he was like, "Yeah, I just kind of got bored writing that, so I started writing something else." But they do matter when what happens next, and that's where I disagree because that when it sets up and it gets to the part where the big twist happens, and that's one of like four. Be clear about that; it's not the only one. That's one of like four. It's just so shocking. I just didn't see it coming. I thought I had an idea of where that movie was going to go. Nowhere near where it ended up in that in that moment. So for that reason, Barbarian ended up number five for me. Um, I'm just my biggest bummer about that film for me is that I can't I can't see it for the first time again because it's one of those. Yeah. One of those films that once you see it once and you know it's coming, it's not as fun. But the first time you see it, it, my jaw was on the floor. I just really enjoyed that experience at the theater seeing that movie. It's a really fair assessment. I think I think actually that's a really fair assessment because rewatching it that for that first 40 minutes would be like, oh, I know that I know that's not going anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> right, well, I'll drop it, Damon. I will drop it. <laughs> Yeah, even though it does go to where you want it to go to in the next scene, but that's neither here nor there, Patrick. Let's talk about your number four, your number four <laughs> film for 2022 of your best horror films of the year. What was number four for you? Brace yourself, Damon, because this may shock you. I never thought that this film would be this low on my list. When this film came out, I was like, this is probably the best movie of the fucking year. My number four is Watcher. Chloe Okuno's incredible feature-length film starring Micah Monroe about a woman who uh, moves with her husband to, I think it was Budapest. Hungary. Budapest, yeah, Budapest. Yeah, or yeah, Budapest. And like, 
an incredible thriller. Beautifully shot, well paced, well everything. Chloe Acuno did a uh, Rat Man in the VHS series, uh, very famously, which is I think one of the more famous segments out of the VHS series. And then she turns around and does this, which is like polar opposite style of movie. Super slick, super beautiful movie. Great, great thriller. I mean, we just raved up and down. Did we? Didn't, we didn't even do a full podcast on this. We just kind of talked about it. We right? just kind of talked about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's this is a solid movie. It's not an insult to this movie that it's number four on my list. It just happened to be one of the best years in horror that you've ever seen. That Watcher ended up being number four on my list. I loved this movie. I recommend it to everybody. Every single person that goes, what do you got to see this year? Watcher's on that list. You must see Watcher this year. So here's how tough it was for me this year because Watcher was one of the films that should be in top five and it actually got cut out of my top five for one reason because I couldn't figure out where to put the other movies. So watcher yeah. didn't make my top five, but let me be clear. It is a top five movie. If that makes sense, it is not in my top yeah. five, but it could easily be in my top five. I struggled cutting down to my top five. So I could have easily replaced barbarian with watcher. And I'd be completely okay with that because watcher was a really, really strong movie in every sense of the word. The direction was great. Chloe Okuno was great. The, the performances are great. You know, we talk about, you know, Micah Monroe, uh, you know, being a bit of a, a bit of a, a bit of a scream queen, you know, she's done a lot of horror films, but she is so good in this film. And again, this is one that's going to slip under the radar. It's not going to get a lot of award nominations, but it should, she is really, really good in this film. And there is a, there is a twist in this film that is just like, Oh man, like it just threw you off. And when the ending comes, it's like, Oh my God. I like, not that I didn't see it coming, but I was like, I'm shocked they went there. I'm really shocked they went there. And it was just so well done. It was a really, really good movie. And it's one of those movies, again, where and I know it sounds weird to say you probably say this with every movie, but I would say go in knowing as little as possible because oh, yeah. this film delivers in every way, shape and form. And I think I, I might have said it when we when we had our little blurb about it back whenever. Um, this this is a movie that used to star two major actors like Watcher in 1994 would have starred Harrison Ford and Julia Roberts. Like it's that quality of a film. It's that quality of storytelling. It's just that the landscape has changed so much because of streaming that these mid-tier movies don't exist anymore. But Chloe Acuno, Micah Monroe, uh, Bern Gorman, who plays the antagonist in the movie, another phenomenal performance in this movie. Um, these, these people delivered what would have been a major film like that you probably would have gone out on a Friday night to see in 1994 and would have raked in a good solid $60 million at the box office. That's what this kind of movie was. We just don't have that anymore. It doesn't exist anymore out in theaters, but we got it right here and we got it to incredible, incredible execution. I mean, just I'll follow Chloe Acuno to the ends of the earth now because that's a, that, this is an incredible film that, that they put together. Also, you mentioned Burn Gorman's name. I have to say, if you're curious, Burn Gorman, and you're like, why does that name sound familiar? Because if you watch Game of Thrones, he once played a character named Carl, who was a Gin Alley fucking legend. That was his whole thing. He's I'm a Gin Alley fucking legend. Uh, he was in he was in the Night's Watch with Jon Snow. So yeah, go watch Game of Thrones. Uh, I think it's season one actually. And Burn Gorman is actually yeah, a, a yeah, pretty, he's, pretty. He's in a lot of stuff. He's, he is. He's a great character actor. He he's is. in tons of stuff. Yeah, one of those guys. He's one of those guys. He's like, oh, I know that guy. Let me go to his IMDb oh, page. That guy. Yeah. So my number four film of the year was one that really got a lot of buzz in the second half of the year, um, but all by word of mouth. And I love that because this is a film that shouldn't, th this by all measure 
of success this film should have gone straight to streaming and been a, a film that hardcore horror fans are like oh i love that movie you should see that movie but no one's ever going to see it because it's such a small un- unknown kind of movie my number four for best films of 2022 terrifier 2 um, mm. I loved Terrifier 2, Damien Leon, and, and of course, Lauren Levera, uh, David Thornton Howard, who plays Art the Clown. The entire cast of that film was incredible. And what it reminded me of, and it just, it made me, it made me feel, I know this sounds, God, when you think about Terrifier 2 and all the hor- horrific things mm-hmm. that happened, you're going to be like, oh my God, what was your childhood like? But it took me yes. back to my, my childhood when I first fell in love with horror films in the 80s. I loved 80s slashers. Yeah. Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, you know, The Prowler, My Bloody Valentine, all those, Silent Night, Deadly Night, all those films, all those great slasher classics is what made me a horror fan. This film literally felt like it could have been made in the 80s. It was that kind of movie. It had everything that you would want in an 80s slasher. It was a little goofy at times. There was some there was some not great acting at moments in there. There was some <laughs> funny effects, but there was also some really great. But Lauren Levera, I mentioned earlier, she was one of my best performances of the year. Um, the whole film feels like that kind of a genre film and that's what made me fall in love with it is it good on top of that sure it's a fun movie it's a it's a it's a fun old school slasher horror film that really 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 takes you back to those days and i loved it and i just loved what this film represented and i do love that it ended up being the little movie that could because it was not you know it was shot yeah. on, a, on a shoestring budget released by a, a small company and and sh- again it should have gone straight to shutter or Screenbox or whatever service it's on and never been heard from again unless you just happen to go there and watch it no this film ended up doing like six weeks in the theater made over a million dollars at the box no, office Damon. 10 million dollars at the box office uh unbelievable unbelievable success and 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 i and on top of that i love the film um i had a lot of fun with terrifier 2 um truth be told yeah it's better than terrifier one which i had never heard of until i heard of terrifier two um it you you nail it it takes you back to the 80s and by the way it takes you back to the 80s and then cranks it up to like 38 not even 11. i mean it really like goes so hard on the gore and the slashing um the only reason it didn't make my list is that um it's definitely over long it's two and a half hours long and it does not need to be that long um and yeah you're right the act sometimes the acting's a little a little reminiscent of the 80s too uh so and, and the story elements are almost non-existent it's really just more of a matter of just like how do we how do we make sure that art kills as many people as possible nothing wrong with that it's not even a complaint um it's just you're right it's almost like an 80s movie to a fault um and it did produce the best kills and the best gore of the year even though i kind of diverted for gore just to give some diversity but the truth be told is that terrifier 2 delivered like no other movie could this year in kills and gore and let's let's point out a very important thing it created a new horror icon art the clown is now somebody you see around you can you we talk about important iconography for your slasher the jasons the freddy kruegers the ghost faces the michael myers well art the clown gets to be part of that now when i say art the clown people know what to see and uh and that's really cool and i know and you said it earlier there's going to be a terrifier 8 it's coming at when maybe in a couple of years not it won't even take that long to get to terrifier 8 but it's probably coming and i'm glad for those people because i know those people have worked so hard and so long to get to where they are and to have a smash success 
a smash success for Terrifier 2 um, means that it gives hope to horror people like to just keep going, keep trying to do your thing. Uh, the, the main people, uh, 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 Damien Leone, um, oh gosh, well, I don't know the name of the guy playing Art the Clown. I, I uh, apologize. David, David Thornton Howard, yeah. David Thornton Howard and uh, and one of the producers is uh, uh, Steve Barton. Um, he, those those guys are all over forty. They did it. They it took them time, but damn it, they did it. Now they have a smash hit horror film. Don't stop your dreams. Keep on going. It took a movie that <laughs> that blasts a shotgun shotguns a mom's face right off and, and stuffs it with mashed potatoes. That movie is going to make those guys their bread they're going to be able to retire off of that that's a beautiful thing i'm very happy for terrifier too yeah again it just reminded me of why i fell in love with horror because again they don't mm-hmm. you don't you don't Classic. get as many you don't get as many traditional slasher films these days unless it's like a scream film or something like that or a halloween a franchise film so to actually have an old school slasher um and felt like again a movie you would absolutely see on a great vhs cover in the 80s that's what Terrifier yeah. Two was to me, Patrick. Can't let's talk about your one. let's talk about your number three. So you're no, we're in the top three now. We're in the cream of the crop. We're in the now. top three. What is Ooh, your number man. three horror film of 2022? This got real tough, but man, this movie came out of nowhere and shocked me at just how absolutely good it was. And that is the menu. Uh, directed by Mark Mylod, starring Ray Fiennes, Anya Taylor-Joy, Nicholas Holt, Hong Chow, John Leguizamo, Judith Light, my God. I mean, a, an A-list cast, A-list premise, A-list delivery. This is what top three films are made of. Um, I, and I, when we talked, it's a great episode. Go back and check it out. But I, I likened it at the, at the time to Parasite. Now, Parasite that year won all the awards at the Oscars. Could the menu be horrors final entry like 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 chance at the at the oscars this year probably not but certainly along that level of the fit the finish the cleverness the entertainment level the dread it's all there i mean what else can i say damon my, my belly was full afterwards i absolutely loved the menu yeah the menu is really really well done in all shapes and forms when you talk about the direction from mark mylod you talk about the performance from ray Fiennes, you talk about the performance from nanya taylor joy it was a strong story a strong execution funny at times um yeah real funny great social commentary in there and not what you're thinking it's not like a preachy movie but like there's going to be things in there that you're going to understand like there's a a group of financial bros that are all about crypto and things like Mm -hmm. that and they're going to be the guys (laughs) you're going to watch you're going to roll your eyes at because they are so fit into that world of crypto bros um they 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 really nailed it and 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 it's a they also dive into a sector a section of life that the average person never experiences this this world of high-end dining and not like i took my wife to a 200 you know just steakhouse no 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 we're talking about you know we're talking about thousands of dollars for an exclusive menu and you know flown to an island and all these kind of like crazy things you're going to experience that's like the up you know these are the films that you know elon musk or these are the films these are the the places that elon musk and jeff bezos and and uh you know tim wheeler tim what you know all those kind of tim cook all those kind of those are the kind of restaurants these people are going to you and i will never sniff it um so that's what the (laughs) menu dives into and it's really really well executed and it's not and and let me be clear the one thing i I don't it's a it's not a criticism it's just a, a point to make 
it is not in any way, shape, or form a traditional horror film. Just to be aware, if you right. haven't seen the menu, yeah. don't go in and think you're going to see people grabbing a butcher knife and slicing people up when they go to dinner. That's not this film. But it is full of dread. It's full of comedy. It's full of, uh, you know, uh, tension at moments. Um, and mm-hmm. the execution's really well. Again, I just want to forewarn you, if you haven't seen the menu, don't go see it thinking, oh, man, it's uh, it's Terrifier too. No, no, it's not. Right, nothing <laughs> like that. <laughs> Be and aware. that's the great part about horror is the, the diversity of it all, right? Like we just had a Terrifier 2 that both you and I heap praise on, and then you roll right into the menu, which is the furthest thing from Terrifier 2, but it still delivers the most important element for me, Damon. What is that? Dread. Of course it does. Um, and, and you talk about the 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 peak into a high society lifestyle. Well, you get to do it through the eyes of Anna Taylor-Joy's character, Margot, who is not high society she's somebody else this is almost like a, you know we just we just wrapped up a white lotus right that that tv show just finished out it's almost like taking it from the perspective of one of the people that are not actually paying for the the experience at the white lotus but so people that are in lower status in life so yeah there's a lot of great commentary a lot of great perspective and uh, just a real memorable, fun movie. I feel like I could show this movie to anybody. I really think it has a truly universal appeal. Yeah, it's a really, really well done movie and a really fun, enjoyable movie. And I definitely, definitely deserves that kind of placing. So for me, my number three horror film of the year was one of ended up being kind of like the word of mouth buzzy horror films. And when you talk to your friend who's going to shun, oh, I didn't go see Smile in the theater. I didn't go see Barbarian in the theater. Oh, that's just, it's the guy who tries to find the most obscure film of the year to tell you how awesome it was, (laughs) just to kind of rub it in your face. Pretty much much everything that gets nominated for an Oscar today, you know, films nobody actually goes to see, but all the critics love it. Except me. Yeah. Uh, That is my number three film for the year, a film that everyone, all your art house friends are going to think is the most incredibly disturbing horror film of the year. But it really is that good, and it actually does deliver. My number three film of the year, Speak No Evil. Um, This movie, as I mentioned earlier with The Kill, without going too deep into spoilers, this film left such an impression on me that I can still picture moments of this film in my head without even thinking about it. It just pops in my head. Um, The premise of this film is basically a group of people are on a vacation all in Italy, if I'm not mistaken, and one family with their kids and another family and their kids kind of befriend each other. And they kind of, you know, they go hang out during their vacation. They exchange information. And the one family that lives in the Netherlands and the other family lives in, I believe, Finland, they invite them to come down to their house, their cottage for a weekend and just reunite a few months later after their vacation is ended. Hey, come out to the Netherlands. It'd be great to see you guys. Let's all hang out. And once they arrive, things go downhill, but not quickly. It's just a very odd, off-putting experience kind of melding these two families together. When you get to the end of figuring out what is actually happening in this movie, your jaw will be on the floor, your eyes will be wide open, and you will look at your spouse, significant other, or the dog sitting next to you and say, what in the hell just happened? And I don't mean that in a bad way in, like, let's say men, where at the end of that movie, I was like, what in the (laughs) hell just happened? And I was really upset. This one, I was like, oh, my God, did they just do what I think they did? And guess what, Patrick? They did it. They did it, Damon. And we might as well roll right into my number two film of 2022. (laughs) Speak no evil. Damon, holy fucking shit. Do you know why this movie doesn't make my number one? It's because 90 minutes of a 110-minute movie is a movie about 
um, the awkwardness of being polite. It really is. It's just a movie. I can show that 90 minutes to pretty much anybody and they'll be like, oh, wow, yeah, this this movie's really getting under my skin. But it's there's nothing that's hard to stomach. There's nothing that's terrifying. It's just like, oh, oh, this is uncomfortable. Like this interaction between these two families is very uncomfortable and very strange. It plays like any great drama. I liken it to a movie called Force Majeure that came out a, uh, a few years back. That's very similar in the uncomfortable uh, on the uncomfortable scale. But Damon, that that final sequence, that last 20 minutes is the kind of terror that is reserved for the greatest horror films I've ever seen, that the Texas Chainsaw Massacres of the world, where you just cannot shake the nastiness off Um, the imagery that comes up from those final moments of the film. Just every now and then they'll just flash in my brain. I'll go, oh, God, that one moment. Oh, God, that. Oh, God. Like it just. It's highly, highly disturbing. It's disturbing all the way to that in a very different way. And then it just shows you this unflinching horror in the end that is so realistic that can happen to you, that can happen to someone you know. And you just go, I don't, <laughs> I don't even know if I can recommend this to anybody, but I still think it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. <laughs> like it's really, it's really strange that way where it's just something that you cannot get it out of your blood system. Here's here's where I think speaking of evil really does triumph. And you mentioned it there because the reason why I think this is even scarier than, and I know this is sacrilege to say this, the reason I say it's, it's scarier in a way, not scarier overall, scarier in a way than like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now, yes, Texas Chainsaw Massacre can happen. We understand there are serial killers out there. People do are cannibals. I'm not discounting that section of life. But speak no evil crescendos into something that absolutely could happen and probably happens more often than you think. It probably happens a lot, actually, which is fucking terrifying. That is what made that movie so scary to me, because I guarantee you it happens. Probably, again, happens more than you think. And it is so unnerving you said you said disturbing i'll use the word unnerving uncomfortable it is just a truly unnerving film the uncomfortable moments as you said the first the first you know two-thirds of the movie it's not truly horror now there are definitely like weird off-putting moments where you're kind of like this is really uncomfortable and i would not want to be in this situation but not not scary not full-on terrifying the last 20 minutes if you can watch that film without without wanting to turn your head at least once, then you might be a full on sadist because even I was like, Oh my God, this is, and there's one moment in particular. And again, I'm not going to spoil this. There's one moment in particular in the car, which you know yeah. what I'm talking about. Oh my I God. I already know what you're talking about. It is I can't so, get it out of my head. It I'll, that will haunt me for the rest of my days. I mean, it's that bad. Yeah, it speak, is. It speak is. No evil is so and, and, good. and all that stuff that comes before it, is incredibly well acted and done with subtlety, no heavy handedness. And then very wisely too, because like, you're like, this doesn't really feel like a horror movie, but what the director did really wisely was he put in a horror score. So during the time when it's like, oh, this isn't really a horror movie. Anytime like someone looks a certain way, like that same kind of stingy, stringy, scary, eerie music comes up. So like he's, he's reminding you, he's like, horror's coming. Don't you worry, it's coming. And when it comes, it's probably the the most disturbing movie I've seen in quite some time. 
yeah. genuinely. It's it's really really good. So my number two uh, best horror film of 2022, um, since you went to your number two, which was also Speaking of Evil and obviously a great choice, my number two film of the year is a film I know you liked, and uh, and it ended up being, and here's part of the reason why it ended up being number two for me. Not only was it, it was an incredibly well-made film and, and a real surprise to a lot of people this year because I don't think a lot of people who are going to see this knew exactly what to expect. They just knew the buzz and the word of mouth about it. But here's what I here's why this film ended up number two for me is because of the rewatchability. I've watched this movie probably ten times since it came out because it's been on cable and I've just been watching it and it's just an incredibly watchable, enjoyable film. So my number two film of 2022 is X by Ty West. Oh um, wow! X was a really fun throwback, much like Terrifier. This one throwback to 70s grimy, low budget. Just, you know, dirty horror, very, very Texas Chainsaw Massacre reminiscent, very reminiscent of mm-hmm. that kind of film. Takes you back to that. It's a crew, a film crew going to film on a, a farm set and they're filming a dirty movie. They're filming an X-rated porn movie. And this is another one that is uncomfortable at moments. You're not quite sure where it's going. And then when it hits the gas pedal, oh man, does it just go mm. mash down and run you over at full speed until the movie's over. Um, it is it is a really well-orchestrated movie. And I'll be honest, and this is going to sound like a weird endorsement to give this movie, I was not a big Ty West guy. I'm not saying I disliked his films, but I just went. And so when this was coming out, I went into it with very, very tepid, expectations even though everyone's like oh this movie's gonna be incredible i went in thinking yeah but it's, it's ty west i'm not like you know i'm not blown away exactly yeah it blew me away and, and again i've watched this film like 10 times and i think that's a huge part what makes it number two for me is because it is an incredibly easy rewatchable film to go through mm-hmm. and i love that i need films like that in my life patrick uh, and i fully agree with you actually and it just got bumped outside of my top 10 this year um X fantastic slasher. And you're right, like an easy movie to just have on all the time. That's a high compliment. A movie that you can just have on, you don't necessarily need to be like diving into it and sitting there with it and absorbing it, um, but yet still be entertained by it. X is that movie. So the non-horror parts, they're entertaining. The horror parts are true to form. It is Ty West's best movie as far as I'm concerned. Some people like Pearl Moore. Um, some people love House of the Devil. I didn't even like House of the Devil. This to me is Ty West completely dialed in. Like he's a genreist um, to a fault. He wants to do things exactingly. And he chose uh, Texas Chainsaw and he goes, I want to do something just like Texas Chainsaw. Well, shit, he, he got up there. I mean, I'm not calling it Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but I am saying that he really understood the assignment and he achieved it very well. X is a wildly entertaining movie. X is a better Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequel than any Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequel. Like it's a better, like what they did yeah, with the Texas, not, what, like it's not, it's, yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, the original, as they say in summer school, Tobey Hooper classic uh, is a, is a film unto <laughs> itself. Okay. So when I say like, that's, that's in like yeah. the realm Quentin of Tarantino perfect. called Texas Chainsaw Massacre, a perfect film. Yeah, it is a perfect film. So I'm not saying it's that, but what I'm saying is it's better than almost every Texas Chainsaw sequel uh, because, <laughs> Because, uh, low bar. It's it a low is. bar. But I'm saying that like everything that you love about Texas Chainsaw, the moments of dread, the character development, the 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 execution of of the horror 
is exactly that next and so much of it you don't see coming and it's just a it's just a and it's a great you know again i mentioned mia goth she was my mvp performance this year she's incredible in it but you also have kid cuddy in there who i i was like mm-hmm. when i left the film i was like wasn't kid cuddy supposed to be in this movie and i was like oh that was kid cuddy oh my god he was really good in this movie uh the whole thing martin henderson is in it martin henderson who i hadn't, i don't know if i'd seen him in anything since ring came out like the ring came out like 98 or whatever um he was yeah. in it and great the whole cast was it was incredible and so jenna ortega jenna ortega yeah what a year for her i mean between what X a and year Scream. she's having and wednesday of course as well uh yeah so mm-hmm. x and again I could argue that Speak No Evil is a film that will stick with me more. So, like, in that realm, maybe that's number two. Yeah. But I put X because I've watched this film, like, ten times, and I've enjoyed it every time. It's never There's never a time when this film is on where I want to turn the channel. You know? Yeah. And that says a lot I about a horror that. film. Like, rewatchability is a big deal. Like, I don't know. I've said on this podcast a dozen times. I loved Martyrs. I'll never watch it again. Speak No Evil is a film that like I love, but I don't know that I'm gonna like on a on a Friday night. I'm gonna sit down and be like, you know what? Let me really go back and watch that again. I will rewatch yeah. it, but it's yeah, so I will. Dis- but I, I get scared at the thought of rewatching Speak yeah. No Evil. And so that's the difference. This film is like a truly rewatchable film. It's a, it's one of them rip roars, man. It's just fun. And it was a fun night at the movies, too. I think everybody was having fun. Um, it's a, a great example of just a movie that will always have high rewatchability. I mean, hats off to Ty West and Mia Goth and company uh, for, for putting something together. The Well, I won't even spoil that part in case somebody hasn't seen X, but it, it's uh, I'm bummed that a couple of characters won't be returning. Yeah, and I'll, I'll give a shout out to Pearl. You know, we, we were kind of like very mid on Pearl, and I don't really disagree with that. I know people, a lot of people love Pearl, and I don't, I don't disagree why you love Pearl. I just, for me, yeah. Pearl... Pearl was Pearl was fine. Like that's kind of how I would describe Pearl. Pearl was fine. I just when it was over, I didn't necessarily feel like I had I'd really taken away all that much other than it being a really strong performance piece for Mia Goth, and I'm fine with that part yeah. of it. Um I guess maybe I guess I was just judging it too closely to X and, and X was such a fun enjoyable just a really good night of the movies as you said Patrick and, and Pearl wasn't that and it's not that it wasn't good i'm just saying like it was just such a tonally different movie yeah that it just it was just weird that that was the prequel like if they had done pearl and then done literally done pearl first then x i probably would have liked it better because i wouldn't have had as much understanding going into it it it, pearl didn't elicit the same reactions that a speak no evil or a menu or x did for me which is like i want to watch it again kind of and you know like i can't stop thinking about it It pearl didn't do that for me but it was it had its it certainly had its moments i mean it it kept poor martin scorsese up all night he couldn't sleep after watching it yeah Uh, it makes me wonder if he's seen speak no evil like marty (laughs) don't watch this because we need to keep you alive (laughs) yeah you may not want you may not want to watch this but you may want to watch this if you think that was going to keep you up all night (laughs) all right patrick the time has come The number one film, the number one horror film for 2022. Patrick, who gets the gold statue at number one? Damon Martin, I would like to congratulate the cast and crew of the best film for Patrick Guerra in 2022. The absolutely incredible, dynamite, scary, fun, um, memorable smile. Oh, what a movie this was, Damon. (sighs) Oh my fucking God. What a fucking movie this was. 
as a horror fan, and we have said this ad nauseum on this podcast, it's hard to get Damon and Damon Martin and I to shiver in our boots. It's really hard to do that. Damon, I was a quivering little biatch <laughs> after watching Smile. It's scary. That's why it made my number one, by the way, because truth be told, the premise of Smile, you've seen before. But the execution of Smile, it was incredible. And actually, it was recently, I was talking with Jed Shepard, uh, writer of Host, and uh, many other things. And he, he brought this point up, and I was like, oh, that's exactly why I love this movie. In the hands of any other director, it might have gone south. Parker Finn guided this movie to be scary. I've seen this premise before. This is not new. He, nothing was re I saw many movies on this, on this list that reinvented the idea of horror for me, and Smile doesn't do that. But Smile scared the shit out of me because of the craftsmanship that Parker Finn brought to it. It's a scary movie. I was scared, Damon, so very scared. <laughs> I came home and was scared, and I didn't want to see the things that I saw in Smile this year um, in, in the very classic sense. And I think that's what we've been chasing our whole adult lives, Damon, is the feeling from when we were a kid and we watched a movie like Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th, and then we were scared to have the light turn off. We had to hide under the blankets because the monster was going to get us. That's the feeling I got from Smile this year. Fantastically performed. Uh, Zosie Bacon, star of it. Jesse T. Usher, Kyle Gallner, Cal Penn, Caitlin Stacy. I can go on and on and on. Everybody gave something to this movie. And the execution was perfect. It's a classic scary movie. Whereas Speak No Evil, my number two, was something totally kind of left field and different. Smile was like the old familiar feeling that I've been chasing for my entire adult life, that old scary movie feeling, Smile delivered it in in just a, a ridiculous abundance. So I I really like Smile, and it very easily could have been in my top five. It's gonna We're going to read off some honorable mentions here in a moment, and I'll just warn you ahead of time, Smile is in there for me because Smile was really, really good. Actually, to be truth true be told, it was actually between Smile and Barbarian for my number five spot. That's actually where I was kind of going back and forth on. I couldn't quite decide. So I may have already. So it's kind of, I'm actually kind of glad I didn't go in that route because you got to pick it for number one. Um, I really enjoyed Smile. It was a really, really well done movie. It was a really, truly good horror movie. Um, there were moments in that movie that made me jump that made me like kind of catch myself, you know, in a good jump scare, which doesn't typically happen in films. Um, the performances are great. And, and the plot, what I liked about the plot was, is that it made sense, but they never took it too far. There's some films where they try to over explain the plot to you and they kind of overcomplicate it for the sake of being overcomplicated. A great example of that. And I know a lot of people are going to get mad when I say this, a film that just way overcomplicated itself and made it try to be more than what it had to be was a, a film like Midsommar, which I just, I am not a fan of that film. That film could have been something much simpler and worked, but they tried to just over complicate it over and over and over again. And it just did not work for me. Um, this is a film that understands what it is and 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 executes it beautifully. Yes. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> Damon, I fucking love that movie. <laughs> Say no more, man. Yeah. Smiles the shit. I fucking love Smile. And I'm glad. And by the way, it did gangbuster. I mean, it fucking it did incredible incredible numbers at the box office and well deserved. Yeah. So my number one film 
of 2022, mm, number one horror I I film. Know, I think I know I, this one. I think you do too. This is a film that I heard very little about, but I heard to watch it. And so I suggested it for the podcast. And you and I watched it and it ended up being one of the best surprises, one of the best, just really disturbing at moments, funny at others. And I always say it. I love when we can discover kind of unknown actors who raise an elevated performance. I mentioned Lauren Levera earlier, of course, for, for Terrifier 2. But we always talk about when you can put A-list, top-notch actors in a horror film, it just automatically raises the bar. Sebastian Stan, Daisy Edgar Jones, my number one film of 2022 is Fresh. I love yeah, I this film. This is a film that... V- in a lot of ways, I know you're going to hate the comparison. A lot of ways takes you on a bit of a trip like barbarian at the beginning where you think you're watching one movie. Now I know you're going to say this does it far better because when the twist happens, it's, it's, you know, it actually goes somewhere. I'm not trying to revisit barbarian, but I'm saying this is a film. (laughs) The first 30 minutes you're watching it. You're like, okay, this is a romantic comedy. That's what it was. It was a romantic. It was a full on romantic comedy. 100%. And then when it switches, it is so jarring and like Sebastian Stan switches from this sweet, kind, just, you know, norm, the, the, the way that the, the characters change this film and then Hannibal Lecter in a way, or like that really disturbing, like cult <laughs> yeah. leader, like the one where you're like, I, what in the hell, what, what happened to this dude? Like, he's not the same dude. Um, and Daisy Edgar Jones is so strong in this movie, but it's it's a film that surprises you. It's a film that I mean made me laugh numerous times, and it's not I would definitely wouldn't describe it as a horror comedy because there's a lot of really serious moments in here. And the actual subject matter, I'm just gonna say it, Patrick. This film's been out since February. Okay, I'm not gonna give all spoilers, <laughs> but this film deals with cannibalism, which is something that you'd be yeah. like, how is cannibalism really gonna be funny? This film makes it funny, but also makes it really uncomfortable, as it should be. You know, another film that came out this year that dealt with that bones and all was a film that made mm-hmm. you feel uncomfortable in moments. This film did it, and I think did it in a way that took it to the next level because man and 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 this is a character study this is a film that is a character study really about two characters sebastian stan and daisy edgar jones now there are other great side you know supporting characters throughout the movie but those two characters sell this movie and they do so well and they play off each other so well and it's just it was just it was it was and also just to bring it back to the x point it is a hugely rewatchable film i've watched it three times I actually started watching it again last night because I knew I was going to mention it as my number one film, and I almost got sucked into watching the whole movie again. I had to stop because I had other things to do. But it was just such a it was such a surprise and such a well done movie. That's why it made my surprise movie of the year because I was like, this movie came out of nowhere. It didn't seem to come out to any fanfare or promotion or anything like that, and it delivered on all fronts. It really does. You're right. And again, we talked about this earlier: subgenres of of of, of horror. This is a rom-com for the most part, and it is fun and charming. And their little romance, the little romance between our main characters is interesting. And you're following it along. And then when it makes that left turn, boy, does it. And it just goes into it. And But it still maintains tonally that vibe of like the high rewatchability factor. Like it's kind of a fun movie. Even the disturbing elements of it are fun and engaging. And uh, yeah, it was one of those movies where I was like, okay, it's not making my top 10 this year, but... I really appreciate it for just kind of coming out of nowhere and planting its flag in horror. And I, 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 
I'm I have a hard time finding somebody who's seen it who didn't love it. And if I remember correctly, it came out in February. And I said back then, I think I said on the podcast, I said, when the year is over, I have a hard time believing this isn't going to be somewhere in my top five. And it kept sitting right at number one for the most part. And I was waiting. I was like, something's going to beat it. Like something might pass it. Mm -hmm. Nothing did. I enjoyed this movie that much. It just, it left me with such an impression. And it was such, it sounds weird to say this about a horror movie about cannibals, but it was an enjoyable film. Like it was just a really yeah. well, well-written, well-directed, well-orchestrated film. Moments I didn't see coming, surprises, twists and turns, and a great ending too. Let me just also throw that out there. I loved it. It was a satisfying ending. I, I like some films can be great all the way to the ending. This had a really satisfying ending. It wasn't full on disturbing like Speak No Evil, but it was a very satisfying <laughs> ending. Sometimes you don't need to end like Speak No Evil. It's, <laughs> it's kind of better off than most movies don't end like that. No, this movie had it all too, and it, it has the blood and the guts, and but it has a little bit of poetic justice in time uh, at times as well. So it, it just delivered on all fronts, and uh, that's what you want out of a movie. Yeah. So before we get to our last category of the year, which is going to be most anticipated film of 2023, real quick, let's go down and run a list of our honorable mentions, the rest of our top 10, however we want to say it. So Patrick, I'll let you go first rundown. We're not going to get into a lot of explanation here. We're just going to kind of give our films. What films didn't make your top five, but still deserve a place at the table? all these well-deserving films, uh, films that kicked much ass this year, the sadness out of Taiwan, killer film really good really goes to the edge um if you're squeamish don't watch that movie that's a fucking hardcore movie uh but really fun resurrection again with our gal uh, uh rebecca hall who's uh, becoming a horror queen all in her own right that movie kind of comes out of nowhere and uh and is is heavy on the dread and the drama tim roth is in that one too that's just a killer movie another one of those movies like watcher that would have been out there um back in the day uh, Prey, honorable mention. I, I've talked up and down this podcast about Prey. Prey was a great movie. Everyone should watch Prey. And we should get a re-release. I mean, we should. It should go into the theaters. We, Top Gun's in the theater right now as we speak in December. It came out in July. There's no reason Prey should not get a theatrical release. And if it does, I'll be there because it's that kind of movie and it's so great. And then uh, uh, finally, Bones and All. Uh, we talked about Bones and All just a few weeks ago. You can check out that podcast and hear about why we loved it so much. Um, a surprising little art movie that um, truly disturbs. Yeah, really, really well done. All right, so here's my list. And again, I'm not going in any particular order. These are just films that didn't make the top five that I really enjoyed this year. I start with Scream 5. As I mentioned, it was my best franchise of the year, reinventing and resurrecting the Scream franchise, and I'm really looking forward to uh, Ghostface Takes Manhattan at Scream 6 in March. Uh, Prey was also on my list. That was another one that I really, really enjoyed. It it, it restored my faith in the Predator franchise. Uh, the mm. Menu, which of course was in your top five. I loved The Menu. I thought it was really well done. Watcher, of course, was another one I mentioned that could have easily been in my top five. Uh, Bones and All was another one that was in my list that could have easily ended up in that top five range it was a really really well done film and i enjoyed it the sadness another one i i love the sadness nice. that's that's very much in the in the realm of terrifier too in terms of if you're squeamish that's probably not the film for you but it's a really 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 well done movie <laughs> the sadness is sort of like if terrifier 2 and speak no evil wanted wanted to fuck yeah, exactly yeah it's really it's really dark <laughs> it's a fucked up movie uh the black phone another film i really enjoyed this this oh, year okay. another mainstream release that did really well uh smile of course i already kind of talked about that one uh nope 
which was not in my top five, but I really did enjoy Jordan Peele's Nope. And the last one I'll mention is kind of more on the thriller tip, but it still does kind of qualify as horror, but I really enjoyed it. it was a film on Hulu called No Exit. Uh, it was a film we didn't review this year, oh. but it was actually a really fun movie. It wasn't full on horror, more thriller than horror, but it you know kind of it still qualified for some of the subject matter they cover in there. So I'll go with uh, No Exit as my final recommendation for 2022. So Patrick, we are now days away from the new year, so 2023. Close. Sorry, and we're going to start off with Megan, a new film from Blumhouse and 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 James Wan's Atomic Monster. Uh, right out of the gate, we're getting we're getting a, a horror film in the first week of January, so we'll be hitting a new film right away. But as we look ahead to 2023, films we know that are coming, that have been hyped up or talked about, or we know they're coming in 2023. What is your most anticipated horror film for next year? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this wrench in you again, Damon. I want you to go first and see if you don't pop. I have two that I'm dying to talk about, but I'm curious if you don't end up talking about one of them. Okay. So the two for me, I said I picked two. One that I one Oh, that you is, picked two as well. One that, is, one that is big and one that is small. The big okay. one, number one for me, it should become no surprise and no shock whatsoever. It is Scream 6. Ghostface okay. takes Manhattan. Um, I, I get excited for scream films. It is one of my favorite franchises. It's one of the most consistent franchises. I love it. They do a really good job. I think the radio silence crew is, is really strong. This film's also going to have Samara weaving in it, which they did ready or not with her, which I know is not a film you really enjoyed Patrick, but I actually really like that film. And I like Samara weaving. And so she's in this film. We've got uh, Hayden Panettiere coming back, which is great. So I'm really excited to see her come back. And, you know, Courtney Cox is returning. So it's just, a, I, I'm I, again, I'm a screen. If there's a new Nightmare on Elm Street fan, a new, new Nightmare on Elm Street film coming out, chances are that's going to trump everything else for me. So Scream, and my second pick I'll give real quick, is a film that actually came out at the Toronto International Film Festival this year, but it hasn't secured a a release yet, so it hasn't actually gone wide. So I give it, it qualifies for 2023 because no one's seen it. Unless you went to that film festival, you haven't seen it. It's a movie called Sick, and the reason why it's my other most anticipated film is it was co-written by none other than Kevin Williamson, who is the original writer of Scream. Uh, he also did hmm. The Faculty. He, of course, he also did uh, Dawson's Creek, was one of his most famous creations. Uh, Kevin Williamson, the reviews coming out of Toronto were great. Everyone was buzzing and saying this is going to be like a reinvention of the slasher genre with Kevin Williamson returning to his roots. Unfortunately, hasn't secured a release, so I have no idea when this film's actually going to come out, but it's not going to come out till 2023. Well, shit, Damon. I didn't even fucking... I might have heard about that, but I, not. I didn't... Like, I would have been like oh kevin williamson okay so we have we have a lot to look forward to um you didn't mention my anticipated that's how much we have to look forward to because this is the the stuff i'm mentioning is big time stuff never mind all the small time stuff that's going to come out and surprise us all the small time stuff we didn't even get to this year damon you know tons of movies coming out so uh my big anticipated movies uh number one is evil dead rise um i actually loved the evil dead remake I thought it was like incredibly well done and so different than the original Evil Dead and disturbing and scary and bloody as all fucking get out. Fetty so Alvarez, Evil Dead Rise. Fetty Alvarez. Yeah, Fetty Alvarez. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So Fetty Alvarez um, coming back with Evil Dead Rise. I saw like I think a teaser image came out recently that really captured the essence and spirit and tone of the Evil Dead remake. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to that. The other one I'm looking forward to for entirely different reasons, Damon, 
is the exorcist <laughs> the exorcist from your favorite guy david <sighs> gordon green he's coming back with another franchise another beloved franchise david gordon green i'm very curious because the backlash was strong for halloween ends it ha- and it has its supporters by the way so let's not pretend like there isn't people who love it because there were there are plenty of people who actually enjoyed halloween ends but they but they made their voices were made clear that those who were dissatisfied and david gordon green sort of dug his heels in and said nah fuck you all that's what i wanted to do knowing that and knowing that he's about to touch what many consider one of the scariest franchises that ever existed the exorcist i'm very curious where he's going to go with this damon how do you feel aside from the fact that you knocked on david gordon green's door and said motherfucker get outside and let's talk Corey." <laughs> yeah um <laughs> If you would have asked me this question before October, I would have agreed and said, man, I'm really excited to see what they're going to do with this because <laughs> I I love the original Exorcist and I actually really like the Exorcist 3. I really like that movie George, with uh, George C. Yeah, Scott. I really like that movie. Yeah, I love that movie. It's a great um, movie. And, and so I'm actually, so at that point I would have been like, yeah, I'm legitimately curious what he's going to do with it now. Yeah, I'm a little scared because, you know, Halloween Kills wasn't great, but I did, I, I, I've said when we did the Halloween Ends podcast, I went back and rewatched it. I didn't think it was nearly as bad as I remembered it being. It wasn't great, but it wasn't nearly as bad as I walked out of the theater saying, man, I really didn't like that. Um, Halloween Ends kind of ruined it for me where, like, now, you know, unlike Chloe Acuno, unlike, um, you know, some of the <laughs> other great directors we did, uh, 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 Parker, Parker Finn, Finn you know, people like that. I'm not as excited for David Gordon Green now. So now I'm kind of like cautiously like, oh man, I hope he doesn't mess this up. Um, so I'm with you. I am, I, I'm really anticipating to see what he does. I just, my expectations are impossibly low now. Yeah. See, I'm really anticipating because we are obviously going to cover the next Exorcist. That's not, that's without question. It'll be covered on Rewind of the Living Dead in 2023. I'm excited for that night to see how charged up you are to go after David Gordon Green. Cause I see now that he's made an enemy out of you. And so I'm excited to hear the, the Damon rage uh, uh, unload on David Gordon Green, or will he surprise you? And you'll go, you know what? Redeemed. Hey, I love 2018's Halloween. I absolutely adore Great that movie. movie. One of the best of the entire franchise. So here's, here's, here's David Gordon Green. You have a shot at redemption. Don't mess it up. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I, I bet you cash money the dude who played Corey is going to end up somewhere in that Exorcist trilogy that he's doing. I hope it's the I hope he I hope he has the more I hope he's the guy that gets puked on with green pea soup or whatever. <laughs> just just watch Corey just get and let it be actually Corey. Yeah. Like let it be Corey from Halloween ends and just let let him get just doused in ti- tons of green pea soup. Yeah, let please let that happen because uh oh man, if I never see Corey going to be too soon. All right. Folks, that is our episode. This is our best of 2022. We appreciate you guys sticking around for the entire year. It's been an incredible year. And, and we said one of the best years ever for horror. So if you missed any episodes, go back and listen. We had episodes. We had reviews on almost all of these films that we mentioned in our top five. We did Barbarian. We did Smile. We did Fresh. Uh, we did Terrifier 2. Uh, we did not do a full review on Speak No Evil or Watcher because those are kind of harder films to review based on without a lot of spoilers. But we did talk about both of them in past episodes. So go back and check out the entire archive of 2022. And we'll be back with plenty more in 2023, including a review for Megan, which is kind of the first big release of next year. Uh, check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, everywhere you can get your podcast, you will find Rewind the Living Dead. Also, 
soon to come to YouTube. I know a lot of people have asked me, are you on YouTube? We will soon be on YouTube. So stay tuned for that. Also, if you have questions, comments, uh, movies you'd like us to review, as Patrick mentioned earlier in the show, hit us up on email. I am at Damon Martin and you are, or excuse me, hit me up on uh, Twitter. I am at Damon Martin. You are at director Patrick. And you can also send us an email, rot living dead at gmail.com. That's rot living dead at gmail.com or follow us on any other social media platform. Just search rewind of living dead. You'll find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Want to say a big thank you to everyone and anyone who tuned in to rewind of living dead this year. We so much appreciate it. We will see you in 2023. Be scared, my friends. Thank you. And peace. Peace.